Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's that time of the week again. The Rugby League rant, fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard and get ready for an hour of nothing the NRL tour. One round remaining in the 2018 regular NRL season box head, and the top eight is finally sorted. Looks as though the top four is basically all but done, given some uh, for and against being about the only thing that's going to change it, and the bottom half of the eight uh, obviously all settled now that the Tigers had a loss on the weekend. So one round to go. Uh, a fair bit happened on the weekend, and what were your thoughts? Oh, it was a busy weekend, wasn't it? Um... Obviously, the, the top eight is now finalised, but that's the first time since, well, as long as the records go back, that after the halfway mark of the season, the top eight hasn't changed. So it's been predictably unpredictable, I think, um, would be the word. I think it's been predictable in that there's been a, a clear line between the best sides and well, certainly the top eight and the bottom eight. But within the top eight, good luck working it out. Melbourne are, look like they're going to win the minor premiership. They don't have a halfback or, or they don't have a settled halfback. You've got South and the Roosters who have lost two and three in a row, respectively. You've got Penrith and the Dragons who led the comp halfway through that are going backwards. You've got Brisbane who don't have a halfback who, you know, they're good one week. Uh, well, they've been—I reckon they've been pretty good for the last month, Brisbane. But it's just a real difficult one to work out. You've got the New Zealand Warriors who have the best away record in the competition. Uh, they're going to have to come to Sydney and win some games, so that puts them in in good stead. Difficult. Very difficult. But it's good. I, I like it. I'm really, really looking forward to the finals. This I haven't enjoyed the regular season, I've got to be honest. I think it's been – a lot of the games have been pretty predictable, pretty boring. I think the refereeing's had a lot uh, to do with the way that the game's been played. So I think it's over-officiated over and for a lot of a lot of uh, teams over-structured. But hopefully come finals, uh, the referees try and minimise their impact on the games and the coaches let the players play and we'll, we're going to get some good footy. Yep. Can't uh, disagree with much that you've said there, but jumping in, tackle one, probably, again, one of these things that's had a couple of days to stew, so give an opinion on it, but don't want to spend a whole heap of time on it because everyone thrashed it out a million different ways. But Dylan Napa, the tackle on the weekend, uh, obviously charged this time three to four games. It was meant to be for dangerous contact. They've taken the early guilty play. I think they've sent the writing on the wall that they weren't going to win uh, this time at the judiciary, but that's probably my biggest issue. Regardless of whether you think it was right, wrong, he should have been binned, you thought it was an accident, a send-off, whatever you think, my issue is, to me, the whole process and the disparity this time to last time when it didn't warrant a charge, according to the Match Review Committee, but Todd Greenberg comes out and says that that's wrong, and this time I felt that that kind of dilutes the process and you were guaranteed that there was going to be a suspension. I don't disagree with the fact there was a suspension. I don't disagree with the fact that I think it's a technique issue that needs to be addressed with the fact that Napa loses sight of his target when he dips his head. His launch is good, but the other issue is he obviously is favouring his left shoulder, and that was a right shoulder tackle. But 
anyway, I look at this, I just thought from the moment it happened, we were talking about it on the game companion that the writing was on the wall for him because of what Todd Green's uh, Todd Greenberg's comments last time that he was going to get made an example of this time, and that's what happened. Yeah, well, you can't. They can't complain about him being suspended this time because Todd Greenberg came out and hammered the match review committee last time and said that it was, you know, he should have been charged. So. For people to say that he shouldn't have been charged is stupidity because he, Todd Greenberg said it. So there was nothing surer than when it happened that he was going to get suspended. I, I think the biggest issue was how it was dealt with on the field. Um, I said in our game companion, I think it's it's time, and that's a perfect example of why we should have an 18th man um, or Dylan Napa should be off the field for as long as Andrew McCulloch's off the field. I, I don't understand how we still have, have it within the rules that – Dylan Napa can commit a foul, whether intentional or not. And I don't think it was intentional, but that that's not the argument. But he can commit that foul, and Brisbane are the ones who are at the, the biggest point of disadvantage out of that action. So uh, Dylan Napa's definitely got something to work on with his tackle technique. But I heard Jake Friend yesterday, and I, he summed it up pretty well, that you know he's got two wrong. He's got two wrong, but you know, and the ones that he gets right are on highlights real. So. He's been playing in the NRL since 2013. So if you want to go over the lifespan of his career right now, mm-hmm. 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. It's six seasons plus origin matches. I'm pretty sure, I don't know, about injury and suspension that he would have played over 100 games right now. Yeah, he's got two wrong. And should you be punished for getting things wrong? I think the bigger issue, like we said again, technique. Uh, when he launches, it's vicious. It's it's brutal. It's awesome when it comes off. But if he's going to keep launching like that, he's got to have eyes on the target. He can't have his, head, he can't have no. his eyes down and his head down. It's the first thing that you've, you've taught as a, as a kid, as a six- and seven-year-old. And it's like he's a bull. He tackles like a bull, like sticks his head down and just whack. Well, Nate Miles used to tackle her a similar way and lead him with the head. And there's a couple well, of Well, he blokes. got it wrong a few times as well. Exactly. But this is what people are getting at. There's past examples, and these two cases for Dylan Harper have been... I, I, what I can't understand, I watched the big league rap last night and Michael Ennis was on there and he showed a screen, a side-by-side with both tackles, the Corbin Sims tackle and then the Andrew McCulloch tackle, and he said that they were different. I've got a, I've got a still that I'm going to put up on our Facebook page that shows they are identical. The tackle I, was identical. I have one thing about the two, though. I thought Corbin Sims was a result of the late footwork that he went from one Doesn't shoulder. Matter. That's the same launch technique. But I think the result of that was a flat out and out accident because but of the could, fact yeah, that I he think went they're across. both an accident. Corbin Sims has got a right to move. But this time it's more on Napa because he had a target that was coming directly at him, but he went in blindly. He launched with his head down and he tried to use his left shoulder again. But by technique and definition there, if you were eyes on the yeah, target pushing reg- in, you would have used Regardless right of either tackle, Napa had no control over where he was hitting. No. Or sorry, he's well, launching he blind. He launched into one position. Now, whether the player's head moves into that position during uh, the movement before the contact's made just means whether you're luck, uh, lucky or unlucky enough not to get knocked out. Because you know, Dylan Harper's got no control over where that. Well, he's got total control over where that shoulder's going, but he can't adjust it because his eyes are down. So I, he's he's now got to bear the brunt of it. You can't you can't go knocking blokes out with your head like. It's something that's you know within the NFL at the moment that they're in the preseason. It's rife in the preseason. They're throwing plenty of flags for guys making helmet to helmet contact, um, and it's it's a concussion issue whether people like it or not. It's a it's a look that's not good for the potential parents, I guess, of children coming into our game. And I agree with the suspension. I think the suspension's about right. I think three weeks is is bang on. 
I'm not complaining about it, but I just go again how the NRL last time can say there's oh, nothing well, wrong I, with I it. I think and we should Greenberg have the NRL, and the match we? review committee have opposite. Well, they don't because he came that... in and said, "Fucking no, this is this is what it is. It should have been suspended. Next time you will be." I, I like the fact. I don't think. I think this is one issue where it was very, very clear what was going to happen. Well, I get again though, but why do we have a match review committee if the NRL boss comes in straight away after and goes, "Well, I disagree with that," and the process goes the complete opposite way? There's, yeah, I think you're going. You make a, a different argument. Between I, the I don't two. think Dylan Arpica or the Roosters can make an argument that they shouldn't have. Uh, that they, he shouldn't have been suspended or they didn't know that he was going to be he, suspended. He didn't even get charged last time is my point. Like, he should well, have he got did. charged. He did, and then it got thrown out. Like, it, it got referred to the match review committee or whatever. He was he was sin-binned. Same thing happened. Yeah, but all incidents get referred when you've been binned or something like that. That's what I'm getting at. They got nothing out of it last time. They got thrown out. And then Greenberg came out and said he should have been charged. And that, to me, diluted the process. So I'm not saying it's right or wrong. So what are you saying? That even if Greenberg thinks it's wrong, he shouldn't come in and... Tap him on the I shoulder just think and say, Fix from the it. moment that happened and this happened this time, that those words guaranteed that he was going to get a charge. And we've gone from the charge being thrown out to all of a sudden dangerous contact three weeks. I'm well, not, well, I'm well not, it's going to guarantee it's a charge. I'm not disagreeing. It's exactly the same thing. I'm not disagreeing with it, but last time something should happen if they were going to prove a point. And I think they are different tackles. I thought this one definitely. See, I, don't think they are, I thought this one was definitely worse because of it was a static target. He launched blind and he won the left shoulder, whereas the last one. I copped it as an accident uh, because of the late footwork and the head being down, which he is partly responsible for. But even if you had your target up, in a split half second, you can't adjust to someone's late footwork when you're that close to contact. It's not an accident when you're – well, it's, it's, it's an accident, but you can't use that as a, as a defense when you're knocking blokes out. Yeah, well, I don't blame them for taking the early guilty plea. Hopefully, for their sake, they I'm going to put the still up on Facebook anyway. Yeah, hopefully, for their sake, they get Jared Rhea Hargroves back from injury fairly soon because they don't want to be this down. This week, he's back this week. Well, there you go. You don't want to be down two front rows heading into the final series. But tackle two that we've got here for the set of six, the Dragons and the Panthers, they both look absolutely cooked. The Dragons, uh, everyone's seen the numbers. Probably the last six games for, you know, meters conceded and yardage, meters in their own sets, errors, completions, points, points conceded. They've gone from being top four in just about all those categories for the first 18 rounds of the year or 16 rounds of the year to now being third last and last, second last in most of those categories. The effort's not there. Injuries have crept in. Vaughan's been ruled out for the season. Woodop, as we said last week, that shoulder injury is not something that you fix up uh, instantly with the rehab. It's usually an eight to 12-week rehab to avoid surgery, and he risks further injury. Now, Nightingale looks like he's done for the year. Nightingale's done. Aitken's done for the year with his hamstring. We already they're know gone. that the Frizzell, DeBellin have been playing needled up, so... Forget about all that. If Widop's out, they're done. Yeah. Widop's their best they're, player. They're finished. They're done. Absolutely Penrith cool. were done as well. Penrith were... I thought they were bad the week before. They were horrendous on the weekend. Dragons players. And I love it how on 100% footy last night, Phil Gould can get on and, and bear criticism on the Dragons... But yet when Penrith comes up, oh, you know, there were some good signs. Nah, I tell you what, they were as bad as one another. And they're going about injuries and that as well. Like they've had injuries throughout the year. The Dragons have got more injuries than what Penrith do at the moment. Like the depth in that squad and they've got through it all year and then we're young and we've got this and this guy hasn't played a full set. We've been hearing that forever as well though. Like there just seems to be loop after loop after loop to kind of make it like a positive way. But the fact of the matter is from the Penrith side of things, happily internally or whatever they're trying to spin, nothing's got better. Since Griffin's been gone, I don't think Griffin being there would have made much of a difference, but things were much more stable and they could have waited, as I've said, the last few weeks to fire him after the end of the season. Um, but I think that was the time bomb that started it all. The stuff about Maloney apparently already being on the adder and things have worn thin there. We know that he was in support of Griffin, so uh, they've kind of just fallen on their own sword, in my opinion. And hmm. 
they wanted to go young and attack and upbeat and flair, but there's not much resilience being shown by the younger blokes. I'm not saying there's much being shown by some of the older guys to try to arrest things, but if you want to go in that direction and have a rookie head coach and a bunch of kids out there, you better make sure they're resilient and they've got the right attitude moving forward because it could be turned into an absolute time bomb moving forward if they don't get the balance right. Hmm. Um, yeah, I, I didn't see any positives. They're both gone. Bullshit. See you later. Garbage time tries at the back end of the game. Drop Katara all together. Put a different hooker in. Uh, the edge players, the errors that are coming for some of their forwards, the just general effort. Um, yeah, I thought. Well, they lost Dean Faro now as well. He's busted his arm. Peachy and Egan, who are both. Whether just, whether Maloney comes back, he was. He's named. not going to be a hundred percent, but he's also there, there's a blue there. There's been a blue there. I know for a fact there's been a blue there that Maloney's off with some people within the club. He was very close to Griffin. Um, he's he's still getting along with everyone within the playing group as far as they'll they'll play together. But there are some differences in opinion in terms of what should have happened in the Anthony Griffin situation. I know that as fact. Yeah, and like I said before, it just made no sense to do it when they did. All you had to do was hold on. If you're going to let him go through the season to get to that point, you should have just let it play out and then. Oh, he made the argument act. last night that this would have happened regardless of no, the coach. And we, we'll never know that. We'll never know that. So I think it's a pointless argument to have. It still wasn't good to bring that storm around those kids out at this point in time. It certainly hasn't helped, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, Dragons, like I said, with all those injuries, the players getting a bit defensive. Saw James Graham push the cameraman out of the way when Nightingale came off injured. He uh, had a, a scarf thrown at him by a fan. We all know the Dragons fans are quite parochial. Matt Dufty biting on social media about their fans shouldn't be complaining because they're in the top eight and they're going to play finals football. But I guess. Dufty, Dufty should shut his mouth and just focus on playing footy because. Yeah, well, his form hasn't been that His great. His form's been terrible. That's why he ended up on the bench on the weekend. All right, but that, that, that also is a head-scratcher. That shows me that they're, everyone in that organisation at the moment is on tilt. For Paul McGregor to put Dufty on the bench to start Nightingale at fullback and then put Dufty on after 15 minutes, just to me, was ludicrous. It was one of the strangest coaching decisions of the year. You're basically just throwing an interchange, burning an interchange. Mm. Um, if you want to send a message to the kid, don't play Drop him. Either have the balls to drop him or Field's been absolutely dominating New South Wales Cup. Uh, They seem, again, like I've said all year, not to trust any of their younger blokes. Either play them and trust them or don't have them in your squad at all. If you're not going to trust anybody outside the 17 or those 13, 14 players they keep using, then you're recruiting poorly or you're not trusting your juniors, one of the two. And at some point, you have to bear some trust in some of those players if their form warrants it. I'm pretty sure they finished second or third in New South Wales Cup. So clearly some blokes have been playing some good football in the lower tier this year. Uh, that have warranted potential debuts, bar five, ten minutes here for Reese Robson, Blake Laurie, Zach Lomax, who I know had an injury, but all those guys barely got a taste, let alone a run when they were brought into the side. Jacob Host, another example, bar his injury. So I think, yeah, I'm with you. I, people keep bringing about Widop coming back or anything like that. They're, they're cooked. I wouldn't be, be bringing Widop back. If I'm paying this bloke the next couple of years close to a million dollars and he's got a bung shoulder, it's it's shelved at the moment. He's not playing the rush this year for me especially with the injuries they got on the weekend. Yeah, Tackle three, uh, probably a, more a quicker point, and I don't think it needs a whole lot of summary, but the Melbourne Storm uh, as a club, Craig Bellamy as a coach, the whole organisation, the playing group, how they won the minor premiership and basically weren't well, spoken about this whole year. Oh, well, close to. They're yeah. locked in a top two spot, more importantly, given the way the year's gone. You lose Cooper Cronk and two other internationals in Jordan McLean, Tohu Harris. They have a massive origin toll again. Six or seven players went in there. They've had injuries along the way. And they're still not settled on a number seven, and they've rotated through you know three of those. And Billy Slater been gone for a portion there. Uh, I think it's a massive credit to that club and how somehow this year thought they'd still be in the eight. Obviously, maybe in the four, at the bottom end of the four. But there's no way I would have envisioned that they would lock up a top two spot again. 
Uh, I, we... No, I, I don't know whether it's a, it's certainly a credit to them uh, organisationally. They've got they've got the best two players in the game, I think, in Smith and Slater. At least the most um, the best players over the last decade, that's for sure. You know, you throw Thurston into that conversation, but it'd be those three who have been the most dominant players in the last decade. Two of them in your side, that's going to make a big difference. I think. I think what's been understated is the impact that Smith not playing Origin has had. That's been that's been massive. Uh, Billy Slater, I think, has really stepped up. A lot of people question whether he could come back in the same vein of form. That um, he's been sensational the last two years. But the to, the fact that they're going to win the minor premiership or go close to winning the minor premiership without a recognised halfback is a huge credit. And the fact that they started so poorly, they were out of the eight. They lost to the Tigers twice. They looked on tilt. They've had some injuries to key players. But... Billy hasn't played for ten of those weeks, and you know you've got yeah. other blokes who have missed bulk time. You've had guys coming that you've never heard of who have patched up and done a job. I think there's been down years for a lot of guys from last year as well, but that's more what I'm getting. At. Just yeah, add... but I also think you then look and go, well, it's a reflection on the rest of the competition. The rest of the competition hasn't that, really you still need to win either. those games and get those results and get through get Origin. It. And I get it. But lose Cooper Cronk the rest of the and Tohu like it's, it's been a hell of an effort to get, end up where they've ended up and I'm still surprised without a recognised seven Billy missing for a portion of time and those couple of players going that they've got there so yeah hell of an effort by them there tackle four on the flip side of that the Raiders couple of big wins two weeks in a row and the Bulldogs fans showing some hope but on those two flip sides of things if you're a Bulldogs fan I guess you've op- got optimism to move forward but if you're a Raiders fan surely those last two wins just frustrate the shit out of you given what could have been for this season. Yeah, I don't take a lot out into it because the fact of the matter is is when the, their season was alive, they couldn't they couldn't win games. Yeah, so it's pressure. very easy for them at the moment to play uh, off the cuff. They can play free and they can be happy and, you know, we should be in the finals and yada, yada, yada. The fact well, of the matter is you, you threw so games, many so. games down the road. That, that's, your, that's your issue, Canberra. I, you know, it's fantastic that they're beating the Roosters and beating South Sydney, but... The, yeah. The reality is they should have done it earlier in where the year and the, they would have been in the final. So where was the Titans win? And it frustrates the shit out of me all these other ones, because you know? I had them in my eight and they should have been in the eight. And but again, you know, Ricky Stewart's got to he's got to put them through I don't think a hard physical preseason. I think they they need a, a, a preseason where they're really challenged in terms of their culture, what what that organization is about. Um when, when push comes to shove, where do they go? Do they really have belief? Do they really have trust in each other? It's easy to have belief and trust when your season's over. Yeah. It's, it's as good, they're, they're as good as now playing exhibition games. It doesn't matter. No, this but was... when it's all on the line, they really need to dig into where, where they're at because when there's games on the line and pressure goes on, Canberra crumble and clubs like, you know, we've just spoken about the Melbourne Storm, they lift and that's when they play their best footy. So Canberra's really got to challenge themselves in terms of what their belief system is and what their culture, you know, what, what, how that reflects in their performance on the field. Yeah, and this was a point I made to a lot of people who were going, oh, we beat these two teams, we should have been. Doesn't and matter. it's like, well, you blew nine of those games when it mattered. Blake Austin wasn't playing well when the pressure was on. He knocked back, and, they got, and that was the other one on the weekend. I can't believe we're letting him go. We didn't re-sign him. He got offered $700,000 to stay. He knocked it back, all right? Then he played like absolute dog shit, couldn't tackle, poor form, got dropped the New South Wales Cup. This sudden vein of form now where people go, oh, well, he's playing well, exactly what you said. There's no pressure. There's no mental application. There's no worry about finals, media, and expectation anymore. He's going to England. He's wiped his hands clean of having to play in the NRL, and he's playing good football because he's pressure for it. Mm. No different to Junior Paulo, Shannon Boyd, anyone that went through a bit of a rough patch or poor form, they're all signed, going elsewhere. Finals are out of the picture. It's very easy to walk onto the paddock 
and give your all when you know the result at the end of the day is just a win or a loss and it has no bearing when you're moving on. And for the Bulldogs, I said same to a couple that wrote through saying, well, Mbai has been poor at West, which I disagree with and we're better off without him and everything's looked better since him, Woods and Foreign all that have gone. Well, much similar. There's no expectation on that side. All those kids have come in. They've been absolutely fantastic. But from a Bulldogs fan perspective, I put the question to you, you've got your hopes up for next year now, don't you? With what you've yeah, seen. And regardless of salary cap, so now what happens next year if they come out and there is pressure and there is expectation, they're expected to get wins and Lachlan Lewis and these kind of players that have come in and have done such a good job don't play quite the same way. So I'm not reading a whole lot into it now. I give them a thumbs up for effort and intent the whole year and Dean Pay's done a fantastic job, but people banging that drum. Let's wait to see all these guys have a preseason, come back next year when they're actually playing under pressure again and it's an NRL season where there's two points every week and finals are on the line and things are expected of them. Because right now, they're basically getting a free run at playing NRL football. Yeah. Tackle five, uh, the Jonathan Thurston farewell. Couldn't have gone any better for what's been a, a awful year for the Cowboys and Morgan only playing a handful of games injured than he was done. Scott's in and out. Their key signing, Jordan McLean, breaks his foot, misses a portion of the season. He's been outstanding since he's been back in. A lot of those older backline members have come and gone and seen better days and, uh, you know, things have definitely been a struggle and they've been, oh, yeah, we'll do it for JT, we'll do it for JT. Well, of all the games they needed to do it, that was the one and they certainly did that. You could not have had a better send-off uh, and a better crowd and a better atmosphere. And as he's done all year, uh, he threw the kitchen sink at Parramatta and they absolutely blew them off the park. And I thought after the match he, he spoke very well and he, he generally does handle himself just absolutely superb and all-class at all times whenever he speaks. I think most importantly, it was a it was a perfect performance. It it was the performance that uh, that Jonathan Thurston deserved. They haven't got that all year. Um, you know, they've, they've been good in some games, I guess. They've lost some close games. They've had their injuries. Thurston's had his up and downs in regards to his form, but he's playing as good as he's played all season. And they were super. I don't know what to make of Parramatta. I don't know whether they didn't turn up or they didn't get a chance to turn up. It's hard to know, but they're always in a really, really difficult position going up there and in front of a sellout crowd. They didn't have anything to play for either. You know, it would have been different if if the Cowboys ran into a Melbourne or a Roosters or a South or something like that. It would have been, I think it would have been a really, really good game. But the fact that they ran into a side that had nothing to play for in Parramatta, they were just cannon fodder, weren't they? They, they, they just punched holes, holes through them. Yeah. And, um, and, and they just weren't up to the intensity, Parramatta. I guess same deal again. People are reading into that, oh, this is the team that we expected to make the finals. But they played para with nothing left to play for. I know they should have played for more pride to avoid the wooden spoon, but they're cooked. They've got their own problems. You know, there's no pressure on the Cowboys. Those couple of guys that have been injured during the year have come back. There's a few changes in the back line and in player personnel that weren't there at the start of the year. You can't read too much into that one game and say they should be in the finals now. People are looking at the last few weeks going, oh, this team... They should have done this year and they would have made the finals. It's again, it's done. Different Forget mental application pressures and expectation now that things are done. It's a completely Smart different man once told me you should never have a revision mirror in life. Mm. Tear it off, throw it away. You need to look ahead, not yep. backwards. It doesn't matter. And the last one, uh, the tackles here, is just the top eight. It's obviously settled now, but as far as looking at it uh, and the way things are settled and, and who's got well, a chance of winning this thing, like, hard. dear God, we've said this every single week. Melbourne has, you know, hammered the Warriors, beaten the Broncos, but they've been beaten by the Dragons, which is early in the season. They had a close time with the Roosters, which didn't really matter because it was during origin. Souths gave it to Melbourne. Sharks have beaten Melbourne twice. Sharks have lost to Brisbane twice. Uh, they've beaten Penrith a couple of times. They've lost to the Dragons a couple of times. Souths have gone one and one with, uh, I think it was the Dragons. 
The Roosters, you know, they've kind of split result there. I think they got the win there. New Zealand have hammered the Broncos. Broncos have beat New Zealand. Broncos bash Penrith. Penrith have got flogged by the Roosters. Like, it's just an absolute cavalcade of results. Yeah. And then at the back end, it's hard to draw a form line. But the only thing I will say is regardless of the all the hastiness around the top four and the results on the weekend, I'm still not worried by the Roosters or Souths. And a big part of that is much like a Melbourne kind of setup. I think those players are just waiting for finals. And that's no different when I look at the Sharks and I look at the way they're playing. And as good as a win that was in the weekend, I still didn't think they were that impressive. But similar to the year before when Luke Lewis said it or the year they lost four or five and went on to win the comp, they look like they're just, you know, doing enough to get themselves to finals and they're ready and primed to go. Yeah. Brisbane and Warriors, uh, patchy form. Brisbane have pulled it together last month. Warriors have been up and down like a fiddler's elbow, but realistically now to that eight and what we've got to finish with, the only two I'm looking at thinking they're making up the numbers and I hope they don't end up playing each other somehow and I don't think they will week one, is the Dragons and the Panthers. The yeah. Dragons don't have the depth and they didn't use their full 17 when they had the chance. So I think they're cooked and Penrith, I think there's just been too much happen plus the injuries and all the in, inner fractions uh, that I just don't think they can turn it around. So I'm hoping that those two are traveling interstate or out of country week one to play the Broncos and the Warriors and we have those other six teams left over. That's what I'm hoping for. Mm. Yeah, I agree. I, I agree. I hope Penrith and Dragons are gone. And then we're going to have a good good comp. Well, there you go. There's our set of six to start things off. We'll jump in now to our power rankings brought to you by Penrith Solar Center. Do you know what hurts more than when your team goes down in a nail biter? It's getting slapped with a huge electricity bill and then biting your nails trying to pay it back. Take back the power from the electricity companies and generate it yourself. The team at Penrith Solar Center are dedicated to providing you with the highest quality solar energy experience to make you and your family the big winners this season. Get on board with the Penrith Solar Center. Chuck on the website, www.penrithsolar.com.au or get into contact with the team there, Jake and the boys on 1800 20 29 30 to discuss how they can make you the real winners this season. Uh, and power rankings. These are a bit awkward to do this week, that's for sure. Um, but number one for me, I've left Melbourne. I don't think they're the most likely to win the competition, but the position they've put themselves in this week, I'm not reading a lot into the result. The fact they've locked in a top two spot, I'm going to give them benefit of the doubt that they're going to put full effort and recovery into week one and having to win that game. And I'm happy to say right now, if Melbourne don't win week one and move on to the preliminary final, they can't win the competition. But for now... I don't think they can win the competition even if they do go through. But I, yeah, I've got, I've got slim well. chances, but I've left them at one for I've that one. Number two, I've still left the Roosters. Uh, the other night, I thought they threw the kitchen sink. They generated plenty of opportunities. They just had no patience and the mm. discipline was awful. So again, I think well, the everyone on deck... for me, I've got the Sharks. There you go. Number three. The Broncos. They beat the Roosters. They jumped the Roosters for me in my power rankings. Fair enough. Number three, I've left South. Same deal. Anthony Seabold, he's a Melbourne product. They had a heavy start to the year. I think they've been loading heavy on the training and they're just waiting for finals. So I'm going to give them benefit of the doubt as well mm. for the time being. And I expect them to get a win this week and start to build towards the finals. They've looked a bit flat. Yeah. Number four. Number four, I have the Roosters. All right. I've got the Sharks. And the same reason... I think they're primed. I think they're ready to roll, but I'm still looking at results that they've blown against Manly, the Sharks, and they've still been winning games along the way. But let's be real. The two close Broncos results, the Manly results, and a couple of ones they've blown, realistically, they should be up for the minor premiership, if not guaranteed top four. But they've dropped some games they shouldn't have. Yeah. But I'm still looking at them, and they haven't been healthy all year. Not in major chunks, but it just seems every week someone's in, someone's out for the Sharks. So uh, I think they're a prime candidate heading in, and I'll leave them at four for now. Number five. Number five, I've got the Bunnies. I, 
you know, lost three in a row. I can't, I, I'm big on them. I think them and the Roosters are the two for me that I really want to be on to win the comp. But at the moment, I can't rank them any higher than fifth because they've lost three straight. I know they've lost against decent opposition, but... And that's one another reason I've given them some benefit I, of the doubt. Yeah, I can't make any more excuses for them. Yep, fair enough. I've got the Broncos at five, and the only reason for that now, there's been some good results, but I've still got the Bulldogs result in my mind. Still got the loss to Manly. There's still lapses there. Uh, I think over the past month in particular, the young forward pack again has been a bit more consistent. And Anthony Milford's kicking game, for all the criticism he's copped, uh, it has become much, much better over the last six to eight weeks. And Wayne Bennett, what a job he's doing, considering all the bullshit going off the field and all the circus that's going on. He's still got enough tricks in the kit bag, especially in the mental side of the game and bringing a group together to get this team firing. And uh, I still don't know whether I trust him to go four weeks in a row in the finals, but I'll openly take my hat off and say, like I've said all year, that I haven't had a big rap on them, but it wouldn't surprise me again if they somehow made their way to the grand final. Mm. There's some interesting interesting stats that we're going to run through on the Broncos um, when we do their game review, but going well. Yep, number six. The Warriors. Warriors for me as well, same deal. But I think the Warriors can win the comp. I agree, same as the Broncos, but in and out. Are we now saying the Broncos can win it? Well, how can we not when they've rolled the Roosters twice, Souths twice, and the Sharks twice? I get it. The only question I have, I think... In a perfect world, if they're top four, they could win it. Yeah, that's what I I'm saying. The four weeks, I don't, I can't. I'm not it. sure whether they can win four in a row. I'm not sure any team in this in the top eight can win four in a row. I think week one, if they get Penrith or the Dragons, especially the Dragons with the injuries, that's a mulligan. They get that one, they move. Just on. the thing is, if if you're, it's the two weeks after that that worry me. I think if you're a top four team, you've only got to win three in a row. Yeah, and you can lose that first week. It, but... it's, it's still that two weeks after that worries me. If they get the dra- Dragons or Penrith, mm, yeah, they four walk in through. a row, and and having at least three of those away from home is yeah. going to be difficult. If they have to go into two, but the Warriors got the best away record in the comp. I'm with you. And then again, like I was about to say, is regardless of what you think of Melbourne, they're the only team that have the wood on the Broncos. Even though the Broncos beaten those other couple of sides, they've done them in twice. And the Broncos, Broncos are six and six away from home. So, so there's, yeah, I don't know, but. They've, they've, you have to give well, them the some Well, the thing is, off. the Broncos are playing good footy. They are playing this good time, footy. They're, they're getting better. And they've they've got changed. better as the season's gone on. They've adjusted. They played a, a final style of football the other night. They adjusted some bits and pieces, and they've honed it in the last few weeks. Wayne Bennett sides, when things get the most hectic and they get them under the most pressure, they just go back to the simple things. And they did That's that in the coaching weekend. philosophy, yeah. One in the game. You the, know, but that cost them a grand final. Because you remember, you know, they, all they wanted to do against they the Cowboys. Could, they that completely day. shut up shop back. Yeah, that, that wasn't but, just simple. That was completely shut yeah, down. That was negative. That's that's that a negative. fault in the coaching philosophy. You know, like you can't, you, you sort of got to be able to adapt it one way or the other. But at the moment, it's working perfectly. Well, we've got off track of number six. But the reason I have the Warriors at six again, in and out, week in, week out. Green's been in and out. Sheck's been in and out. Luke's been in and out. Harris has been in and out a couple of times. If they can just stay healthy and keep the group together, I think they've shown enough. Mm, they've got the 10th best defensive record, but I looked at, just did a lot of stats. I wrote a column. Uh, I'm going to stick it on our page, but 10th best defensive record. I just, history tells you you can't win without really a top four ranked defense. So I disagree. They're going to have to again, bump some. They're going to have to bump some trends, but man, every, they've got the best away record. Everybody um, on deck, though. For a couple of weeks, for an assault on the finals, if if you don't, if like, if I'm being completely honest, Roger Tuivasa-Shek, Isaac Luke, Sean Johnson, Blake Green, Tohu Harris, those kind of guys, over a couple of week period, yeah, if they get it right, get into camp and bunker down, it why not? Like, you know, the like two teams, the, the two teams that may make the least amount of errors in the comp, the Broncos and the Warriors. There you go, and that's critical, massive, massive fact. Uh, number seven, I've got the Panthers. And the only reason I've got them above the Dragons is because the Dragons don't have the depth in the top 30. And if by some miracle they can pull together and have Maloney, Cleary, and some of the talent they've got, mm-hmm. 
could they win a game or two? Maybe they could. Maybe might win out of week one, but I still can't see them winning the comp. Well, Panthers, Dragons are gone for me out of my power rankings. Okay. Power rankings is about right now, and right well, now, right. the Raiders have won uh, against the top two sides in the competition. Uh, well, sorry, two of the top four sides in the competition uh, in the Roosters and South, so I've got them at seven. All right. Well, number eight, I've got the Dragons, and it's not rocket science. Yep. The eight's finished. I've got them there. They're falling apart. I think they'll be eliminated the first week. I've got the doggies, bro. Well, I've got the deal. doggies in again, like there. If you wanted me to, if you want me to drop those two out for two current form teams, it'd be those two, but I've given my reasoning before. Well, power rankings, mate. They're about, about right now. Yeah, well, those two can't play finals, so I'm not really worried about them right now. I'm talking about the eight who can win the comp. That's okay. So. Moving on from that, we move into the game reviews from the week, and they are brought to you by the Nepean Boltmaster, www.nepbolt.com.au. They are your complete fastening system supplier with their main office located at Penrith, and they have another out there at Seven Hills. They have massive, massive warehouses, and they boast the largest range of fasteners and associated products, not only in the region, but throughout the state. But there's a lot more to the Boltmaster than just fasteners. You'll also find industrial and engineering products, abrasives, Hand and cutting tools, lifting materials, handling products, safety and cleaning products, plants, and general hardware. Uh, general hardware, even better than Bunnings box head. The PM Boltmaster provides total needs sourcing packages for all trades associated with construction, engineering, and all associated industry segments. If you're a tradesman like myself, set up all your gizmos, your gadgets, your tools, and your supplies through the Nepean Boltmaster. <laughs> Wasn't the boys there? I'll sort you out. www.nep. Well, I built uh, bolt, I built my dog's a house over the last school holidays and. All my nuts and bolts and screws and all the gizmos, all from the P and Boltmaster. Big I was going to say, he just shit on them with Bunnings, mate. Come I didn't on. shit on them. That's not a good way to keep It's not as, uh, they're not as good as Bunnings, but you go into what? Bunnings and I, I come out with just shit that I shouldn't be buying. Yeah. But if you're going there for bolts and nuts and all that gear, they're the place to go. Good times. Moving on. Can't Game. get a singer at the P and Boltmaster. I don't want a bunny singer. They charge too much now. Moving on to uh, the game reviews from the weekend. There's a couple we won't be spending barely any time on. Tigers Manly being one Thank of those. You. Two teams that are out of the finals. Pretty straightforward. Manly, quick start, had their chances. Moses Suley couldn't catch a cold, dropped one over the line. Tom Travojevic, yeah, he didn't. Tom Travojevic, yes, that fantastic catch was good. But, buddy, when you're getting through a hole and there's a ball there, maybe use two hands to catch that when you're going to score a try. He blew one as well. Uh, late in the half, the Tigers grabbed a late try there and got in at 8-6. But he's just, they're just great guys. Oh, i got no they're problem They're great with that. fellas, but they're again, heart, and cl- heart and soul of the club. Everybody. Aren't you sick of hearing about how good a bloke the Trebojevic's are? I get it. No, we were talking about it on the lounge. Oh, I've said it. I have no oh, doubt. And stop. Jake's the best lock in the competition. Andrew or Johns, not close to. Andrew and Matty John should just marry the Trebojevic's. Everyone should marry the Trebojevic's. Oh and I love them as players as well, but I don't want to hear all the time oh, that they're the best human beings I'm over it. I'm sure there's Shut plenty of other nice people in the competition exactly. as well that we could give a rap to. That's more my frustration. But yeah. uh, Blowing opportunities. Like the Cherry Evans try happened all too easily, and I thought the Tigers' attitude looked poor earlier. But second half, no resilience. Three tries in five minutes. They absolutely crumbled, manly. They got torn to shreds. And what pisses me off again is they go through that soft period where the Tigers... Just absolutely shredded him and pulled apart. And Alex Twall makes like a 70-meter run as a front row and tips inside. But the last 10, 15, when they wanted to play, that forward pack, they can roll anybody. Fanua, Blake, Tapia, those guys rolling upfield, they created some serious damage. But too little, too late. And Brian Kelly, well, I said it to you on the night that he has rocks and diamonds moments and he can come up with good and he can come up with bad. He dropped a third try of theirs for the night over the line. And then he dropped a couple of critical pills in the last 10 minutes in yardage, which gave the football away. Uh, the Cherry Evans kick, the way he set it up, I thought if you're going to try and hit one from there, you'd sit it up sideways like the kickoff. It's, it's less accurate, but you get a bit more purchase on the ball. But, uh, yeah, 
that penalty goal. I didn't think they deserved to win that game, but at the same time, I wasn't impressed by the Tigers. The rubbish game. Pretty much. Two teams that are out of contention. It was a good finish, but it wasn't a high-quality game. So No. And again... Neither team will be playing in the finals. The Tigers, they're their own worst enemy. That middle part of the season really cost them. Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, on their best form, they're definitely a top-eight side, but that, that period has cost them. Uh, and it was a period where they didn't really have a lot of origin players, and they were coming up against sides who did. So, if anything, they should have taken advantage through that period it of time. It was like two from 11. Mainly... Mainly are lucky that Parramatta have been so inept. Otherwise, they would have won the spoon like I predicted at the start of the year. They could still technically win the spoon, but yeah, it's not going to happen. And I cashed out, as people would know, about a month ago on them winning the spoon. But yeah, um, people who got on at 34 to 1 and cashed out, well done. Good times. And again, I mentioned those names because they did play well. Tom and Jake were both good. Thought Cherry Evans was sold. Those two front rowers, they had Tapio. If he ends up somewhere else and there's still rumours where he's going, that's a massive move for a club. And I'll happily say right now that I think that Adam Fanua Blake's turned into one of the best front rowers in the comp. He's had an outstanding season, I think. And he was very, very good. Tigers. We spent too long on this uh, game. Kevin Aguama, his send-off game, he played well. Alex Twile, I think he's been pretty consistent and good all year. Brooks, I think, has definitely won that battle out of who's better out of him and Moses. Uh, Brooks has had a very, very good year. So I think there's some positive to take there. But again. Mitchell Moses won uh, Nick Tedeschi's Willie M. He deserves more than a Willie M. Wrapped it up. With a round to go. Deserves a lot more than the William. Warriors, Penrith, uh, 36-16. Not a true reflection of the game. they got some garbage time tries late. They're absolutely disgusting. Uh, injuries or not, there's no effort. Absolutely cooked. Nothing's improved. Their defensive intent, their carries, they've got absolutely nothing inside 20 in attack. They look like they just they just don't care, and they're fried. And those young blokes, the resilience is not there. The older blokes... Tarmau, Merrin, it doesn't matter what they do. It's not enough to arrest what's happened over there. And I think, again, that time bomb that got dropped a couple of weeks ago is just blowing the joint to pieces. Looks that way. Uh, uh, I'd rather focus on what the Warriors did. The Warriors were great. Um, difficult difficult game to play because, you know, of what's, what's been going on at Penrith. Um, a little bit of pressure on, but uh, they handled their business. 100%. And, and the right edge in particular with Tohu Harris back. I've harped on about it all year, but he was such a good boy. And when he's there... It just makes things better. It's almost a little bit like way Graham does for Matt Moylan. It takes a bit of pressure off Sean Johnson. It makes that defensive edge much better. And he's also got the ability to run, ball play. Sean Johnson had an outstanding night. Fushy Tua's hat-trick was electric. Some of the offloads in that team. Adam Blair, I have to give some credit. I think he's had a really good year going back over there. And I questioned the signing when he first went back there. Uh, it, it was a good night all around. And again, when Blake Green's in that side as well as Tahu Harris, I think both those guys are a massive help to Sean Johnson, not only on his edge, but just for kicking and pressure and him being able to pick his moments and play his football. So yeah. good signs there. But again, just they need to be healthy moving into the finals. They can't have these guys dropping in week in, week out and spine changes. It needs to stay as is. Um, and obviously, I bet so. I mentioned Blake Green. He didn't play on the weekend. It was Mason Leno, but... Blake Green needs to get back into this side and they need to find that balance, much like he has when he has Tohu there. But it seems that one of those guys has constantly been in and out, as well as Johnson who missed a few games and Sheck, etc. But um, for Penrith, need I say no more. They they need to just turn something on, but I can't see it right now. Yeah. I can't see it at all. And I don't know how many video sessions or chats or talks or bits and pieces they can have over the next couple of weeks, but it's it's going to take a miracle in attitude change and that group coming together like we spoke about last week for anything to happen week one of the finals for them. Because yeah. right now, uh, I can't see anything. They're going nowhere. There's a flat line. Cowboys-Eels, again, doesn't need much to be said other than the Eels were absolutely disgraceful. The Cowboys blew them off the park. You could see in the first two minutes with the roll-on, 
I will say that I thought a couple of the penalties were given quite easily towards the Cowboys. But again, sold out crowd. Jonathan Thurston up there against a team in Parramatta that have zero to play for. They've been ill-disciplined and poor for the whole season. Uh, it showed 64% possession to 36, 2,000 metres to 1,000 metres. They completed at 90% the Cowboys to 67. Uh, they gave them nothing. They gave them absolutely nothing. The roll-on that we've seen the last few weeks from Scott, Tamalola, McLean makes you think about what could have been if those guys were there and not leaving Tamalola to always take that one carry for a quick play of the ball. They've also been able to use him on an edge along with Hess and deploy those things we talked about before the season kicked off. And again, just a question of what could have been, but too little, too late. The most important thing is they put the effort in, they played a good game of football, and they dominated and sent Jonathan Thurston out on the right note because this season in general for the career he's had is not befitting of the player that Jonathan Thurston is. Well, it's not, no. But I'm, I'm just glad that he's he's going out playing good footy. They've got a win. They're going to go to the Gold Coast this weekend. I think they'll tear the arms off the Gold Coast if they play what they did against Parramatta. That's a sellout. It's in Queensland. I think it's all good. Best it's way all to good. finish, you can, you can forget, you know, they, they put 40 on the Titans this week, which I think they will. Um, the, the, the season will be long forgotten or quickly forgotten. Yeah. You know, if they finished... finished the season, the way that they were playing through the middle part, it would be, you know, his legacy would definitely be damaged, but he was close to the best player on the field on the weekend. And if he can put another good performance in uh, this week, it's, yeah, it's going to, it's just going to make sure it's a fun ending for everyone. On the flip side of that, you can't feel too sorry for him because he still had one hell of a career all those other years. I don't feel sorry for him at all. He's won everything in all levels of the game. It's a blip on the radar. I know it's at the back end. Do you maybe go a year too long with the shoulder? That's neither here or there. The one thing that is never, ever going to leave him is that competitive spirit, and it hasn't this year. Yeah. So if you want to see something that typifies his whole career, regardless of where they finished on the ladder and the way they've played, watch every single game this year, and I can guarantee you we'll not find a game where you say Jonathan Thurston didn't try. Yeah, He's busted his ass again this year, regardless of the circumstances, scoreline, and play personnel on the field. Parramatta, all I can say is they've been shit this whole year. The club's still an absolute shamble. They need to sort out the off-field setup. They need to sort things out in the playing group. They need to sort their culture out. Is it Moses? Is it Norman? What's the problem? Cut the cancer out. Move on. Brad Arthur, full respect to everything you've put up with in the past, but this year was his doing. This was his player roster. This is his moves. All the brownie points he had are gone. Next year, he is on the chopping block if things don't turn around. Absolutely. And it's going to be hard to turn it around, I think, in one year. But that's well, the way the NRL works. They haven't recruited Paul. Well, Junior Paulo for about $800,000 is ridiculous. They're going to probably keep Hayne, and besides that, I don't know what else they've got coming in. I can't think of anything else. So. Uh, Sean Lane for yeah, Manly. There's not a whole lot else. So, pressure's on. Canberra versus South. This one, fast start for South. Couple of soft tries down in Canberra's end. I sat there and thought, well, this is not looking good. Looks like Canberra may have packed things up on Mad Monday. The edge players being back for South. They look better early on in yardage. A bit more cohesive on those shift moves. Greg Inglis on Joey Leilua was the poorest one-on-one miss you could possibly see. Cody Walker back to the guts. Four players missed him, but... I don't know about Cody Walker on Blake Olsen was a pretty poor missed tackle. Yeah, um, I said both of them were poor, and four other blokes missed him as well. But the biggest alarm for me for South is early in the year, even though they were playing that open style of football and very, very attacking, there's two things that were very evident, and that was there was good discipline and there was low errors. That's been getting worse and worse during this little streak here. There's been errors creeping in their game. There's been poor discipline. And I felt like for 60 minutes of that game, all I did was watch South defend their line quite stoutly, particularly in the first half, but then go to get out of yardage and drop the ball and give away penalty after penalty after penalty and just burn all their petrol. And there was nothing left in the tank. And why I credit them in the first half for the way they defended their line, if you give Canberra glutz of possession, you spoke about it many times before, if there's one team you don't want to give back-to-back possessions to or give them momentum, it's Canberra. Hmm. And Canberra, to their full credit, even in those ones at South, 
defended, I'm going to give them some credit for the shape they threw. That's the best shape and structure they've ran all year. They were getting back to the middle of the field. They were running double leads with forwards, quick play the balls. Hodgson's deception out of dummy half. They found numbers both sides each time, and they had South scrambling left, right, and center. The amount of broken tackles from Leilua, Rapana, the edge back, Rowles, Papali, etc. South did well not to get beaten by more, which is one thing I will take out of it. But it is alarming when you start the year off so well and you're able to balance things out. But on the weekend, 17 drop balls and 11 penalties is not acceptable. And then that's the biggest thing they need to clean up quicker than anything else. Mm. Canberra, though, outstanding. Held the football, completed high, got points down inside 20, took their opportunities. I thought their forward pack was absolutely outstanding. Austin, again, with the pressure off, Paul O'Boy. All these guys are playing well because their futures are sorted. The season's done and there's no pressure on. So Correct. for all the people banging the drum, oh, I can't believe we're letting him go. He had a $700,000 contract on the, uh, offer on the table. He didn't take it. And when he was under pressure and needed to play to earn the contract, he couldn't do it. So let that conversation stop right there with people that have beaten that drum. Yeah. Plain and simple. Uh, good win by Canberra, but frustrating to your fans. That's for sure. Fans? Let's see what... Uh, Sorry to the fans. Let's see what they come up with this week. The Raiders against the Warriors in New Zealand for their last game. And let's see what the South going be, That's going to be an interesting game. Yeah, definitely agree. And hopefully we can see something from South against the Tigers this week in their last game heading into the finals. Storm versus Titans, 10-8. I literally felt like we watched the same half, but for both teams the opposite way around. In the first half, it felt like it was all Titans. They were rolling upfield. They had control. They had plenty of opportunities inside 20. They weren't able to bank all of them, but they were just all over Melbourne like a cheap suit. Melbourne struggled in yardage. They were very poor. Fifth tackle options and just the effort wasn't there and errors. And no doubt in my mind, they got an absolute massive spray at halftime and it flipped the opposite way. Melbourne had all the roll on. Melbourne were pushing upfield. Mm. Cameron Munster, Billy Slater was absolutely outstanding. But for the first time, possibly... In the season, or one of the rare times this season, I thought the Titans were really, really good defensively and scrambled really, really well and did. Yeah, they were, but the try, they, the try they let in, the Curtis Scott try was really, really poor. Um, yeah, I, I, I thought the Titans were the better side for 60 minutes, but the that's the story of their season. They haven't been able to transfer periods of domination into points or enough points to win games. And, you know, the one team that you've got to transfer points. Possession into points against is Melbourne. Yeah, we we never applied any scoreboard pressure. It was a 10, 10 points at or eight points at most. Melbourne are never worried catching up from eight behind, and yeah, you know, they, they did it easy. Mm. Bit clunky for them. Uh, some players missing. Chambers suspended. Vunavalu, Nelson, etc. But Smith Smith busted as well. Yeah, Smith wasn't great, but Billy Slater was exceptional. He stepped it up another gear. Cameron Munster with that elbow the night, he was exceptional as well. Like I know all these other clubs are after him, but if Melbourne were to lose him, I'd be absolutely devastated. He's an exceptional football player. Uh, everyone just kind of chipped in, but it was frustrating. I thought they should have banked more points. Justin Olam in particular, he put his foot out once, and then he had a clean break early on where I think Billy or someone threw him a pass and he dropped the pill. There was a couple of just spoiled opportunities that you don't generally see from Melbourne, but at the same time, I think they've got the second worst completion rate in the competition this year. So going into finals again, it's all good to be top two and top three in defense and attack, but if they're not going to complete well in the finals, they're in big trouble. Who are we talking about? Melbourne. Melbourne. Completion rate? They're one of the worst, I think, error-wise and completions in the competition. They're right down the bottom. Uh, errors, yeah, they make the fourth most in the comp. Yeah, and completion rates, I'm pretty sure, are somewhere down in the bottom two, if I remember what I saw the other day, unless that's changed. But I think the big thing for me... Well, if you're high in errors, you're going to be... Yeah, you're going to be low in completion rates. Yeah. The big thing for me is this week, I'm pretty sure they've named as full strength aside... They, they make the most handling errors per game. Yeah, 
So they've named them and the Roosters the fullest strength side they can possibly have at the moment. But I looked at it and thought, I honestly would not care if we finish first or second. I'd rather rest Smith, Munster, anyone who's got a problem, and try and get into week one and just assault whoever we play. Because I think if they don't win that prelim final, they've got no chance of moving on the to first, the first qualifying final. And I, yeah, I still don't think they can. I still don't guarantee they'd win week three if they got there. But I don't think they. But they're can a much survive. better chance if they've got rest and they're at home. Exactly. So yeah, get that. Look, if they get to week three, I think the one thing that everyone's overlooking is that they're the best defensive side in the comp. So that's going to stand them in really, really good stead coming into the finals. I've just got concerns over their attack. Oh, yeah. and I, I, think, I have no question that Melbourne are going to be the best defensive side in this final series. Yeah. But, you know, if they're making errors and their attack isn't turning possession and field position into points, then they're going to be under more defensive pressure. They're going to have to do more tackling. So that's my concern with Melbourne. I just think rest this week, get to week one, throw the kitchen sink, and if you win and get to week three, you possibly get back Nelson, you get back Vunavala, you get back everyone, Brandon Smith, etc. the closest you can to your best 17. Uh, and then the question is who they pick at number seven. And Craig Bellamy come out and openly said they will pick who they feel suits the opposition they're playing, which I think he's playing a bit of Dutch and Drakes there. But at this point in time, as far as I'm concerned, Jax is not in the picture. I think he's a safe option. But if Jax was going to play, he would have been put in by now. I don't think they're going to put Jax in now or in the final suddenly. I think it's between Croft and Hughes. Who they go with, I don't know. This I, week they've named Croft. I think Croft, they need both of them in the side. But I don't, I don't know which way they go. So interesting to see what happens there. But the Titans, season done. Uh, the shining light, and to me, the rookie of the season, in the shorter amount of games he's played, to me, is AJ Brimson. And it's not taken away from the fact that Osako has been quality or Radley, who should be eligible, but isn't eligible, haven't been good. But I think just in that space of time, he's been consistently, if not your best player, in your top two or three players. I think Osako's had great moments across the year but I don't think he's been the best player or top three player every week for the Broncos. So on that fact alone, I think AJ Brimson's been close to the Rookie of the Year for me. Yeah, I don't think there's a real standout in terms of Rookie of the Year. He's been some good young players. I'd be surprised, yeah. Um, it won't surprise me if three or four blokes get it. Yeah. Uh, Roosters, Broncos, if you listen to the game companion, which a fair few people did, I think you'd see this how we saw it. Brisbane, you just have to give full credit to. They completed high. They played the conditions well. In yardage, they kept it simple. And when the Roosters tried to jam in, they... Two pass with a bit of width and generally save their sets. Their kicking game was exceptional. They forced dropouts. They got pressure. They made the Roosters make errors. Even though they got opened up multiple times, uh, they just scrambled so well, didn't they? They scrambled absolutely outstandingly. And the Roosters had plenty of opportunities, plenty of tackle breaks. Like James Tedesco busted something like 11 tackles. They had double the amount of line breaks. They did everything they possibly could to tear the Broncos a new one, but simple moments... Critical errors. I think the error count was 15 to 5. Uh, and in particular, two moments by Daniel Tupo plus the Napa moment. They had two people sin binned. Discipline errors, playing the conditions, and just patience. They had none of it the other night. Every time they looked like they had them, like the perfect example, Joseph Manu, play one inside 40, beats about six blokes, tries to go one meter corridor to score the try. Mm. Could have taken the tackle or cut back and field four more plays to go. So many times they pushed passes. So many times they shifted to the, the edges trying to get at the halves early when they had no momentum. I honestly think they did themselves absolutely no favours, but at the same time, I saw a lot of positives in their attack if they could control that or if it was on a dry track. But Brisbane, full credit to them. 90% completion, super disciplined, great scramble. Yeah, the Roosters punched plenty of holes in them, just couldn't score tries. They lacked patience. They lacked. They played very sideways. Brisbane were good. Mm. And I think in we're particular... Up, we're up most of it up in the game, Capone. Yeah, Milford kicked outstanding. Young David Fafita, he was... Well, you know, the Broncos have got the best, the most kick metres in the competition. Yeah, they kicked plenty earlier and they kicked all well, the time. Well, I just... Milford's, that's... 
something that we've criticised them for. We've criticised them for their kicking I game. I think it's and for their, their short kicking game or um, their inside 20 kicking game mostly. They've but I got think... the most kick metres in the competition. So there you go. Yeah. Milford's kicking game, like I said, last six to eight weeks has been exceptional. It's improved much more closer to what a sevens would be, let alone him being that running well, six. Need, he needs to. He's uh, certainly earning his paycheck in that regard. Fafita's impact in this game was exceptional. Tavita Pangai Jr. is the How many s- exceptionals have you said on this podcast? I don't give a shit. Uh... <laughs> Pangai Jr. is the real heartbeat of that forward pack when he plays there. He can be quite moody and he has off weeks and on weeks. When he's on like he was the other night, four in the tackle, getting offloads, busting tackles. He's a freak of nature physically, that kid. Mm. Um, Corey Oates, all those guys. But on the rooster side of things, I think the two guys that really stood out were Tedesco and Manu. Manu, again, exceptionally underrated. And James Tedesco had an absolute blinder. But Latrell Mitchell, he had a pretty massive six-week period, but I think he's been flat the last couple of weeks. Daniel Tupo, five errors, a couple of critical ones that led to tries. He had an absolute Barry Crocker. That'll be the last game uh, he plays if I'm coaching that mob. Yeah, he, he's got some serious question marks over his stability at the back there. But uh, Roosters, Nap are out now. Obviously, that's a big moment there. Broncos dodge a bullet. McCulloch, no broken jaw, so he should be right to go this week. Massive win for them. And two wins over the Roosters, two wins over the South, and two wins over the Sharks. So... For as many shots as we've thrown during the year and a bit of criticism uh, at times, why can't it be the Broncos if things go right? Have to wait and see. Sharks, Newcastle. Uh, 38-12. to 12. Uh, Again, a non-finals team against the finals team. I thought the Sharks played with their food. I didn't think they did a whole lot convincingly. They, they look like they're just waiting for finals. They had the sin bin there and they still let the Knights get back to 18-12. But the last 20 minutes when they needed to, they put their foot on the throat, plain and simple. Valentine Holmes has been absolutely outstanding on this run home since the origin period. I thought Edric Lee had a pretty good day. Chad Townsend, try assist, controlled things, got him around the park. and They've got good depth. To lose a couple of centres, lose Matt Moylan, young Flanagan did his job, didn't overplay his hand. Kurt Catewell, I've said many times before, I'm a big fan of him. He came in and did a really good job. Uh, I just think they're waiting for finals. I really do. And as much as I don't like Andrew Fafita and Josh Dugan, the way they've carried on this week, I thought they both played pretty well on the weekend, both as did the Sharks. But... but yeah, their job is to play footy. Yeah. We, ju- we judge them on um, their football, and their football, for feeders, has been okay. Yeah. Um, Dugan, let's see, how long, let's see how long he can stay on the field. He's yeah. always injured. Newcastle side of things, the effort was there for at least 60 minutes, but uh, Nathan Brown openly admitted that playing Watson was a mistake. He got injured early, went off, he was gone, Ponga didn't play in this game, Fitzgibbon copped a bad head knock, they... That is at that point, like we said, back end of the season, injuries, young side, bit of a good development year. Um, but yeah, with no Pong and no Watson and a couple of those guys playing busted, I think they'll give their all this week, though. Definitely an old boys day up at Newcastle. Yeah, good give luck the winning Dragons. All they can handle, but uh, yeah, not their day. Sharkies tick another box and uh, move on. But the last game, 38 0, the Dogs over the Dragons. That was embarrassing, uh, lackluster. Effortless. They lost Nightingale. They lost Aitken. The dogs were just simple but powerful. Uh, they punched up the guts. There was 20-plus carries between Tolman and Clemmer. Lee Shark got out, gave a bit of width, played nice shape off that. Lewis just has time for days. He kicked very well. The Morris's combination on one edge. The kick return stuff was the most exceptional thing. The yardage and the creativity from Hopawade and Remus Smith and these guys at the back. That hole he hit for his third try was absolutely beautiful. And you could see it unfolding as soon as Hopway started drifting across field. But at the same time, if you want to find the biggest thing of questioning effort and attitude for the Dragons, to come up with a broken line like that, that hole you could have got a BW through when Hopway passed that ball. Um, no, the kick chase was poor. But that, that's the what. little things in your game you've got to get right. And they just, they're not getting right at the moment. It's attention to detail. It's a lack of effort. Um, it's a lack of concentration. 
can't defend them. You can't no. defend what they're doing. No, you can't. And again, plenty of criticism just for Ben Hunt, but I don't get why it's all only at Ben Hunt. That forward pack and all those other players needed their job for your halves to do anything. He was awful, don't get me wrong, but as a whole, they were dreadful. I think one of the only blokes I think could hold his head high, and he did make a few errors, is Jordan Pereira. Jordan Pereira's yardage work and some of his carries, and just he was in absolutely everything, and he busted his ass. But there's not many other guys for the Dragons I could say gave 110%. That's for sure. They were disgusting for the Bulldogs. I said, tick all the boxes. All these young kids, there's plenty of positives, but let's see it next year when there's expectation. Mm. Exceptional finish of the year for the Bulldogs. Great effort on the weekend. And Remus and Smith, Hattrick, is a stock standard Hattricks when you just get blokes who jump over in the corner. You're not going to see three better tries. Yeah, Two long try. distance ones are exceptional. But that corner finish with the hand swap, defend, and then transfer it back into the handy ground, that's one of the best finishes you're going to see as well. Mm. Yeah, he's had a great impact since he's come back in and uh, started playing some first grade. But there you go. There's all our game reviews from the weekend. Move on now to some fan questions, Boxhead. Uh, one of the first ones we've got here is, I'm a Dragons fan, but why would Mary make so many positional changes before kickoff after we finally cracked the win? He likes your idea, Boxhead, of minimizing interchanges down to six and feels that free throw rugby league comes at the end of the match, but would love to contemplate a substitution instead, have six people on the bench to cover more positions, but you're only allowed to make four changes. Thoughts? Yeah, I just... Means that two guys aren't going to play every week. Yeah, it's a bit awkward. So that's it's just yeah, it's a, that that's not going to happen. Um, I, I don't see why they can't just have an eighteenth man on the bench. That's the only real change I make. I think we're going to go to. I'd even like to see it go to five interchanges. Um, six. It'll probably go to six initially, but I'd like to see it go to. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com five maybe even four so once you're on and you're off you've got to stay off but that's going to be hard again with concussions and things like that so yeah and that's from i'm not hanging with you guys from jeff sims he loves a podcast as well and says from a para fan would love to see manly go to ease some pressure on our basket case of a club do you boys think a team like manly would relocate somewhere if the nro offered a cash injection no that no one's we've had this one a million times and people keep bringing it up. There's not going to be any Sydney teams moving to WA, and again, there's going to be no cash injections offered because NRL said it stand on your own two feet or die. Mm. Uh, expansion he's got here, we've said that a million times, it needs to happen, but you need to have the right things in place. You need to be keeping these young guys that are going to England too early over here for depth if you're going to possibly expand to 18 or 20 teams in the future. But financial stability is needed all throughout the game, first of all, before they can even think uh, about making moves like that. Dan, the sportress, says he's interested in how much we know or think training loads for finals are impacting the player of the Storm, the Bunnies, or the Chooks. Could the fact that the eight was fairly settled a while back have influenced how hard they've been training? Yeah, I think it it would have, but how do we know? We we don't know, unless you're there. Um, but I, I'd be surprised if the teams that look like they were going to be top four in Roosters, Storm, and Rabbitohs haven't been doing heavier training loads. Yeah, and we've seen it in the past. Or Melbourne have basically released facts about it. You know, Seabold's been part of that setup as well, and the Roosters, Trent Robinson's got all the gizmos, gadgets, and 
one of the better sports science setups. A lot of those teams, when they are you know five six weeks out, will have a heavier period if they've got points banked to top things up, and then they'll rest a little bit more into this period to try and kick on home. We've seen Melbourne do it many times before. Wouldn't be surprised if Seabold's doing it now, but yeah, it does happen if you do have points in the bank, basically. JDHD, how many times do I have to sit and watch the goddamn Dragons do this at the business end of the season? So Frustrated many, many weeks. Mm. They've got a lot of injuries, but their efforts just shit. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And they look rattled. They look like they don't have answers, so it's just going to be interesting. Simon Fraser, why does Ben Hunt either look like one of the game's premier players or a reserve grader? He's got absolutely no in-between. It's fair. Can't yeah, argue. Can't argue. Zach says, formed teams on last week's results of Sharks, Broncos, and Warriors. Are the Storm, Roosters, and Rabbits just waiting for finals, or are there concerns for their fans? Oh, there's concerns, but they're not major concerns. I think I'd be concerned if they lost first week. Melbourne's bigger concern is what we said before, health. Like, to lose four or five players last week and have a couple of guys playing busted and just in general, I think they're kind of sitting there ready to be taken. Mm. The, the, Sharks. the two top four teams that lose first week and have to play probably the Warriors and Broncos are going to be concerned. Yeah, no doubt That's going that. to be difficult. Di Henwood, one of our favourites from over there in New Zealand, says, question for the potty. Sprays from coaches, do they work with a younger generation of player, i.e. the Ricky Stewart spray that's doing the rounds? Well, the Ricky Stewart spray that's doing the rounds are fake. Yeah, I think people, if you it's listen carefully, it's actually an AFL spray. It talks yeah. about the 22 players and kick forward. That, that's been around for a while, but young players, the millennials especially now, are very, very different, aren't they, compared to They're different. possibly our generation or you're, you're a couple of years older than me, but I think spray... Is something that needs to be rare, realistically. Once or twice a season. You can't unleash on everybody. As far as individual sprays or pep-ups or bits and pieces of training or gym or field, or that, that's kind of a different story. And some guys need love. Some guys need a pat on the back. Some blokes enjoy getting challenged. But as far as a whole group or going in and unleashing, it can't be a weekly occurrence. It just gets old real fast. The players just don't pay any attention. So if you're going to unleash one, it needs to be at the right moment. And like Brock said, it's, it's got to have some real bloody purpose to it. And it can only be a couple of times a year, that's for sure. Paul Rainwright, just disappointed with the Dragons. Was that Kroger? We had everything to play for and didn't turn up, but he enjoyed the Broncos' performance, thought they were tough and wanted it more. Yeah, they did. Like, hard to argue. They did. They, yeah. they definitely wanted it more. They played smarter uh, and they, they played with more want That's and desire. There's a bit of Dragons bashing going on here. Wombat says, how much extra do players need to get paid to go to the Dragons? Ugly scenes on the weekend of players being abused by fans. Would you want to go there? Uh, I'd want to go. I'd want to go. I think they've got a quality roster, but they've got some crazy fans. But a lot of clubs have got crazy fans. Expectations, particularly in Sydney, the the fans the fans in Sydney and in, uh, are crazier for their club team than what they are for their state team. So those those people in Queensland, imagine you know how crazy and parochial you guys are for the, the your Origin side. That's what these Dragons fans are like with their club side. Yeah, we're no different. The Broncos and a couple of sides in particular, that's what they lean on. Yeah, They've I don't know whether the Broncos fans are as crazy, but, you know, like the Bulldogs fans are definitely as crazy. You know, Manly and Parramatta fans are, are pretty parochial. Like, it's very tribal in Sydney. Yeah. Crackers drove four and a half hours to watch JT one last time. Just goes to show how important player attitude is. Every player that makes the NRL is talented. No team was going to beat the Cowboys on Friday, and conversely, any team was going to beat the Dragons on Sunday. So, attitude... Big difference in attitude in those two games. Can definitely uh, agree with you on that one. Uh, here we go here. Calvin Hewitt, do you think he would have got three weeks? He's referring to Napa if they both ended up the same way. And he was talking about both players end up knock, ended up knocked out. I think we said that last time oh. for the Corbin Sims one. If they clashed heads and he was on the ground, KO'd and had a broken jaw like Corbin Sims, would you sin bin him? 
this time similar deal. If they had a head clash and he was out cold, well, it's, with it's a reaction a hypothetical the question because it didn't happen. I right, get that, but it's got some relevance, that's for sure. If he yeah, was injured it. as well, and we called it an accident. So, well, what if Dylan Napa came off worse than what McCulloch did? What if McCulloch gets up? You're gonna you're gonna see him in McCulloch. You can't see him in McCulloch, but if Why you had not? a head clash and both blokes are injured, it's it's an awkward situation. That's for sure. Simo, hey lads, where does Kyle Flanagan fit with the Sharks next year? What do you make of him? Are you coming round for the Sharks for the Premiership? Well, Kyle Flanagan's a half. He's an out-and-out half. That situation with Townsend and Moylan would, I guess, depend on uh, Valentine Holmes. If they somehow released Valentine Holmes and they didn't pick up Ben Barber and Moylan went to fullback or Dugan went to fullback They'd be or mad something. to let go of Holmes. I know, even, if I go. even if he wants to go, I wouldn't be letting him go next year. I agree with Hell you. Hell no. But Flanagan's a half. That's where he's going to be playing. I think next year he's still going to have his path blocked, but... Good spot to sit there and develop, that's for sure. He's a hell of a player. Coming around for the Sharks for the Premiership, well, I was keen on him. Box, have your thoughts changed at all? No, I think they can win it. Bit of a dark horse? I think they can win it. Good luck picking who's going to win it. Yep. Dragons man forever. Boys, thoughts on the Dragons at the moment. Fourth year in a row that we've started well, slid down the ladder. Should we be happy to make the eight with Marius? Coach, he's inept as a tactician and motivator. His time should be up, in my opinion, thoughts. Not a big fan, old Joey. There's a few regulars that... Not a big fan of Mary McGregor. Mm, well, I think situation. he's really put himself in the crosshairs after the weekend. Um, you know, not not uh, putting Dufty on the bench and not just dropping him all together. And it was just a shamozzle. Like, and the fact that it was the day that they farewelled Lance Thompson, uh, it was a big day at Oakey Jubilee. It was Jason Nightingale's farewell home game for him to get pumped. They got pumped. They got Absolutely whack. They were disgusting. Um, he's under some pressure, definitely. Janice Matthias, he's another Dragons fan, says, why does rugby league suck so badly? Well, I guess, again, the negative thoughts are creeping in. Why do we even read that? Move on. Oh, well, I'm just saying. The Buckster, something that was overlooked in the last couple of weeks is the retirement of Matt Chechen due to the abuse and threats he's been copying from fans. It saddens me that the best ref in the game doesn't feel comfortable doing his job anymore. What are your thoughts? I think it's a combination of that, but I also think, like you've heard in the background, there's a lot to do with the way things are going down in that referee group and the politics behind it and the running of it by uh, you know the the brother brotherly trio there in the NRL. I think it's pretty poor that he finds that he doesn't want to coach. I'm oh, sorry, referee anymore for those reasons that we've heard internally, but also from what's happened from fans. Fans need to lay off refs, and we've said it a million times. You abuse them, and you got parents and crazy people out there that jump on park football fields, and you wonder why we don't get quality referees where you can't get kids to referee junior level football. Referees are human. They're going to make mistakes uh, at times. Yes, there are some things that are frustrating, but the treatment of them at times is absolutely disgraceful. Mm, absolutely. Uh, I, I wish you'd stay. I wish you'd stay uh, as but, well. But I don't, I, don't think, I don't think it's so much the treatment um, of him by, uh, by fans. I think it's more the treatment by him from his fellow referees. The fact that he's refereeing shit games and he's yeah. clearly our best referee. It just the highlights the politics of all of it. Very, very poor. I think it's obvious for all to see this year in that situation. The Buckster again says, also, what do you make of a feeder and Dugan calling Buzz a fuckwit? Let's not forget, Dugan deliberately got himself uh, fired from a former club by drinking cruises on a roof while for feeder his mates with a one-punch killer. Not exactly two highly respected members of society. Well, Dugan is a fuckwit. Let's be honest. Like, he's he's got a track record for being a fuckwit. So does Fafita. So, you know, if, if they're going to get upset at that Buzz... Um, you know, we've got our history with Buzz. We've agreed and disagreed on things. By no means does does he need us to stick up for him. But if you put form out there 
He's a journalist. Of course he's going to write about it. That's his job, you nong-nongs. Just don't, don't be a dickhead and you write out in the paper. Well, there you go. It's pretty straightforward. Like, if I... you put form out there, if you're being a knob, he's going to write about it. We didn't really address it earlier because I didn't want to talk about it or the coaching carousel because they're two things that everyone's sick of. But dead set, the handling of this by Peter Beattie and Todd Greenberg was shithouse as well, just to come out and say, oh, well, they swore and were happy with what the Sharks have done. When in the past... What, they, send them a fucking letter? Didn't Paul Gallen say the C-bomb on Twitter and got fined like 50 grand or something like that? So yeah. blokes like that put one word out or whatever, but they've gone on this podcast and that was a big gripe I said last week. They're a pair of dickheads and we know that. The biggest gripe I have is that everybody now hears that and thinks that's how rugby league players behave or that's how dressing sheds are. That's the general Yeah, but people who think that are fools as well. I get that, but this is what gets drummed up with media and bites like this. You've got two dickheads sitting there, every second word's F and C and F and C, and they just look like absolute dropkicks. And that's now the impression that's out there. And it's one thing to not like a journalist, and plenty of footballers don't like journalists, but a couple of weeks out from finals and with the track records those two spades have got, like, really? That, that's what you go out and do. And for Feeder especially, after the weekend he just had with pointing at the box and blowing up and reffing and already that look, a couple of days later that podcast comes out. Like, you want to go after a journalist, well, just don't be a dickhead. Simple. And you won't have them in the paper. Yeah. Multiple like, times. I don't know. Like, well, they've both got form. Anyway, so, I don't know. I, and it just it was a dumb conversation. It was four dumbasses sitting on a couch just talking like thugs. Basically. Daniel says, do any teams that finish outside the top four have a chance of winning four games in a row to win the comp? Well, definitely not Penrith or the Dragons, but Warriors or the Broncos. The Warriors, if they get things right, could go streak through. The Broncos, if they play the way they did last week, good control, good kicking game, scramble defense, pressure, and just let their opponents make errors and take their chances uh, inside 20. Why not? The percentages are obviously harder from outside, but... Uh, I think it's a six-team competition realistically at this point in time. I think Brock would agree with me. Mm. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, Alec Knight says, Sack Mary, he is a fraud. So there's lots of angry, very angry Dragons people out there. Do you think it's a coaching issue? Like his coaching was good enough to get him to the top of the table halfway through the year. Well, I know for a fact as a group they love him uh, when you speak to a couple of them and they're happy with how things are. But I don't know. know. The Dufty thing, I think. Origin, injuries, expectation. that There's a lot of things that they need to come to terms with. And I don't think they've bounced back at all since the Origin period. And there's a lot of guys that are busted, that's for sure. JDHB, do you know any good ice dealers, boys? I'm looking for a less harmful habit than supporting the Dragons. So there you go. No, I don't. Plenty going on. Poindexter, you boys covered it to some degree in the game companion, but which matchups do you think the top eight teams or what are you hoping for in week one? For example, I'm assuming the Broncos are really hoping for Dragons or Penrith week one. Well, we want. I want Storm Sharks and I want Rooster South first week. Um, in terms of the bottom bottom end of the comp, I just I just hope Brisbane and the Warriors get home games against the Dragons and the Panthers. I hope, I hope Penrith and the Dragons finish seventh and eighth. Yeah. All I want is basically what Brock said. I want South and Penrith. Didn't Penrith rise a position this week and they got fogged? Yeah, because because the Dragons got so got pumped worse than them. I want South and Roosters to stay on the opposite side of the draw. That's all I really want. You want who? I want South and the Roosters to stay on the opposite side of the draw through the duration of the finals. And the result that if they do end up being the two teams in the the best, the best possible thing is that they play first. Exactly, and I'm with you on that. I want to see them play week one so they stay away from each other possibly and find their if if two teams find their way back to the grand final. After playing you each other week one, I want it to be those two. If not, I'd be happy with Shark Storm again. Um, but if I'm a Melbourne fan right now, to be honest, I don't really want to play the Sharks week one of all teams. But at the same time, I don't feel much more comfortable playing the Roosters or South. But on form right now out of those three, I'd, I'd probably want to play South, to be honest. Mm, yeah. But realistically, I don't think it's going to finish that way. In the bottom half, 
same as Brock said. I just want Penrith and the Dragons not to play each other because otherwise we're going to be stuck with one shit side still, I think, in week two of the finals. I want those two to be travelling to New Zealand or Brisbane week yeah, one. Particularly if one of them can upset yeah. another side in the second week and get through to preliminary. Well, then, yeah, you probably you might have it. a game in week three where you either want one of them would have to go on a dream run, which I'd cop, no, but both. you don't want one of them to go to week three and somehow roll an upset, that's for sure. Smell it up. Brad Milan, I know the Raiders tried Whiten at 5-8 at the beginning of the season, but I feel next year with Abby seemingly doing enough to prove he's a capable one, Whiten could work. He's developed a much better passing game and his defense is jarring thoughts. Well, no. I've said a million times that I think he's a center. What? Kotrick to play six. No, I thought he was. I thought, nah. I thought he said one. Well, if no, you want to have six. your best players in everywhere, I still think Kotrick needs to develop a pass, which he doesn't have. I think Abby definitely has a pass and his carry's got much, much better. For the benefit of a ball playing. Number one, I think he's the best option if you want a ball-playing one with a good kick return. Whiten at six defensively is pretty good, I think, on that side. And he's played some of that through the juniors. And Kotrick, I think that's his best position moving forward. But so they you need think to... Whiten's a six? Whiten, to me, is a centre. But yeah, playing center. at six and just playing as a running six, I don't have a big problem with. But Aiden Caesar, Sam Williams, that probably won't happen. So. Six. But they love Jack Whiten, and I assume he's going to end up back in the one jersey, especially with the size of the contract he's on, so... Uh, I highly doubt that Abby will get that run over. So he's, him, he's clear now, Whiten. Like is well, he... he got his suspension. They're keeping him. The Raiders basically told the NRL after the last three times they've sacked players, they've gone on to be internationals and picked up by other clubs, and you've done nothing about it. So we're going to keep him. We're going to give him benefit of the doubt, and we're going to do the rehab internally because you've let us down on Dugan, Ferguson, Carney. Hmm. They've all moved on to play for Australia after they were let go from Canberra, and other clubs were allowed to pick him up. So I can't really blame Canberra on that side of things for this time trying to give a bit of benefit of the doubt to the player, regardless of what they did. Mm. Uh, because in the past, they were let down by the NRL by letting those other three walk in other clubs on cheaper deals and turn into internationals. That's a possibility, but we'll have to see what happens. That's next year. Kieran, hey boys, do you think there's too much sponsorship in the NRL? I know we rely heavily on advertising to keep the game going, but when you compare to other codes like the NBA, AFL, EPL, they all maybe have one sponsor on their jersey where we have up to 10 on their playing strip thoughts. Or- I don't like any sponsorship on them but I understand it's part it's of the deal necessity to keep things running and again I know you're saying for clubs like there's multiple on a jersey but if that keeps your club afloat keeps money coming to the door facilities players and all that do you saying that you you know if you don't want sponsors like Manly without sponsors on their jerseys are already in a bad enough position as it is some of these teams without leagues clubs wouldn't survive without their sponsors if you're talking about a holistic sponsor for the whole game we do have a couple of bigger names compared to some of these other leagues like the Telstra Premiership or there's betting agencies etc but I don't think we're much different to any other league. Like the Premier League has one sponsor, but that's because it's a global kind of sport. It's an international game, so it's easier for them to have one big international brand on a jersey as compared to us being localized in Australia. Same again for the NBA. It's it's much much harder in that situation. So. It's a billion dollar business. Yeah, Mick Webb, one for Mister Middleton maybe, but the longest winning streak for a ref or team combo. Sutton and the Broncos, apparently 16 in a row. Think about it. If a single team was on a 16-game winning streak, they would be deemed unstoppable. Mm. That's interesting. That's for sure. Fair. Brad Millard again. If you had the incredible Hulk, Chuck Norris, Jean-Claude Van Damme, Dylan Napa fight to the death in a headbutt-only contest, who would win and why? I think I'd go the incredible Hulk, mm. even though Chuck Norris is basically deemed to be unstoppable. Yeah, I don't know. Jean-Claude, count him out. David White, boys, can the Dragons turn it around in two weeks? No. No, I definitely don't think so. That's for sure. Not unless Gareth Widop's going to be fit and playing his best footy. Yeah. And he also says, heard your discussion on the Gamecast about Napa's incident. My major thing is do we have to protect him from himself? 
No, no, he's a professional. He yeah. goes out there. The biggest thing is you got to protect his technique from hurting other players. No other player should bear the consequences of his poor technique. Yeah, that's the issue. I don't think it's intentional. No, but it's no one else should technique. have to bear the bear the result of that. No, and Calvin Hewitt on the same things. Do you, do you think the NRL making a same stance with any other player? Um, that the clash with another player ends up KO'd. Napa seems to be a full guy for the way Andrew ended up. Well, again, it's poor technique, and he puts yeah. that situation wouldn't have happened if he's not going into the tackle. We just got the within the game at the moment. We've got this want to overanalyze everything. It was an accident, mm. right? It was clearly an Plain accident. And simple, but he needs to address but his technique. It's Dylan Napa's responsibility to fix his technique because yeah. no other player should have to bear the brunt of his poor technique. Well, plain simple. and simple, like we said before, the percentage of that going wrong shrinks significantly. But this is what I mean. If we he keeps his things. eyes on the target and he tackles both shoulders at the moment, he goes in blind and he loves using his left only. Keep your fucking so. eyes up and tackle like a human. Yep. Jay, thoughts on the Bulldogs' form? Well, we've gone through that and their thoughts in 2019. Well, it's too far away. There's going to be injuries. Is foreign going to be healthy? Are they going to bring any more players? I wouldn't be reading too much into it until we get to 2019. We know what everyone else looks like, roster-wise, off-season, all the bits and pieces. It's way too far away to make any judgments there. Rono, do you think the short dropouts are the go? Seeing a lot more now. I like them. Keeps the attacking team inside the 10. Mm, they're not consistent, but sides, I find, don't do them consistently. So I'd like to see teams just do it every time. Yeah. I, I like the fact that, like we said before, it's also hard Hardest to attack from inside the ten. So a lot of times when teams do get it, get it there, they get it in a corner, and it's awkward for a couple of players just to get back to the middle and try and split the field. So mm. you know, sometimes the risk is worth the reward. Simon Fraser, are the dogs any chance of sneaking into the eight next year with a healthy four and Fatala Mariner and these promising mm. kids? I don't think so. I think again, it's easy for the dogs to play like they're playing when their season's done. Yeah, their season's done. Let's wait until next year. Matty Lewin, what do you blokes think of a wild card game to get into the eight, or is everyone in the eight already no. a wild card? Well, what does that mean? That you, what, two teams can have a shit record and then still get in when the other seven sides have really had to earn their way yeah. through a regular season? It's not really season. fair that someone like Canberra, who's a couple of wins I, off. I or... wouldn't mind if they're going to have, if you said that the top six are going to qualify, and then maybe you played seven v 10 and um, eight v nine or something like that as a wild card round to include more teams, but. You need a bigger We'd obviously comp. have to have a bigger comp. Yeah, yeah. I, otherwise I, I it's like just it. Pointless. Half the teams make the eight. One in two make the eight. If you can't get there, based on the fact that you know, out of me and you, one of us is going to get there, you yeah. kidding yourself. Craig Norenberg's one of our favourites out there. Which of the teams missing out on the top eight would give the others a scare at the end of the season if they'd made it? Raiders. Well, it's the Raiders that the obvious one there. I think Raiders. champion. The absolute problem is again that mental application and focus when things really really mattered. Would they? crumble again under the pressure if they got into a finals And game. I think the Cowboys. What we saw from the Cowboys, well, if that, they could string that form together for four weeks, then they, they'd probably win the comp. Michael Morgan back in and make some of those backline changes earlier along with that forward pack now being full strength. They're legit. They would be legit. Yeah. Uh, what else but the, like that's few and far between. So, you know, you could pick out a game from every side in the comp and say, well, if they played like this, they could win it. But it's about consistency. Fair enough. I agree with you there. Moving on. A fair bit this week, Boxhead. Yeah. There's a lot of people, especially on that Dragons bandwagon, I think there's a lot of people that need to talk to somebody. Yeah. They're, they're pretty uh, pretty angry, that's for sure. What have we got here? I keep clicking on different articles. We're good. Here. Let's get out of here. I'm trying to find them, mate. There's articles and all sorts of bits and pieces over here. Todd Bailey, who will win our fantasy final? Zach or Peter? They are both fierce competitors. With no love lost, the winner will be showered with praise. The loser taunted and booed until my throat is sore. Well... 
No idea who you got in your team, so I couldn't tell you. Edge Matthews, in regards to Dylan Napa, should the NRL look to make the player who performed the foul tackle on the bench for the rest of the game only until the injured player returns? Yeah, we spoke about this on the game. And we? if not, they should play 16 on 16 for the rest of the game and there's no advantage given. Well, I think that's a given that we've said a million times. Should be an 18th man. Or he sits off for as long as McCulloch's off. Easy. Andrew Bennett, how funny is Vossi? My favourite commentator besides Rabs. Who are your best and worst callers and why? Any chance of Vossi on the line for one of the podcasts? You guys chatting with him would be legit. Yeah. I'd love to chat with Vossi. Um, We love Vossi. My favourite's Warren Smith. I like Warren Smith. I do enjoy Vossi. I do enjoy the energy. I also still think that Dan Ganane on the radio is heavily underrated. Yeah, he's, Triple good. M. he's a good He's caller. doing a good job on Fox Sports as well, yeah. Dan Ganane. Smart man. Very smart man. You know what I really miss? MJ's doing a great job on the rush hour, but the openers that Dan Ganane used to do for the rush hour would address like sport. Like he's a pretty switched on bloke. Like mm. he's a little I, spiel. I reckon Ganane and MJ would be Should do it. Yeah, it'd be really, really good. Chris Amato, who's your ideal replacement for Ray Warren when he retires? And then here we go. I would love to see Dan Ganane, but I don't think that would happen, right? Love your work. Well, mm. I think Dan Ganane should be doing more TV. I know he got the World Cup gig on Channel 7 last year, but he's a guy I respect. He calls the game very well. He gets the other commentators around him involved and just, yeah, I think he's one of the better ones out there, radio or not. Um, he does a great job on Triple M. Mm. Stuart Bulk he's got a question or a request with the controversy corner main theme music being the instrumental version of Rage Against the Machines killing the name of do you think one day Buzz will eventually snap on the show and start yelling at the others I won't do what you tell me over and over again that would be rad also can I request a Buzz impersonation from doing this boys well look mate stuff you I won't do what you tell me alright Rage Against the Machine I just I can't cop I what, don't know block. who they are mate I, rage, who is Rage Against the Machine what about block? the other night we went on a little buzz off and our both our my wife and your partner were you, going, who are you impersonating you want the best part I went to bed last night my partner just got home from work and Buzz was on Fox when I was in bed and she started crying in laughter and looked at me because Buzz was on the TV and I wasn't even talking and I said what and she goes you've just ruined it I can't look at him I can't take him seriously. I don't want to hear that voice anymore. I just kept looking at going, well, look, Casey, it's not my fault, mate, that me and Buzz and Brock just, we talk a bit like him, all right. And mm. she, she couldn't look at the TV she without laughing. I'm like, you've got to tell me it's pretty accurate and close. But oh, it's she, good. She had a meltdown, basically, looking at the TV. And when yeah. she heard the voice, she knew who it was straight away. Good, so good. There you go. Ben Kirkham's, I feel your lads should dedicate a lazy 30, 45 minutes just to pick apart all of what's wrong with the pennies uh. and not... No. The mighty Red V. In all seriousness, I want some predictions on who you think will play week one of the finals in those games, win and loss as well. Already said it. I think Broncos and the Warriors would knock off those two week one, and I see that happening. Sharks storm in Melbourne, Brock. I think the Sharks would win again at the moment I don't know. with who the knows? cattle. But I want to see Roosters, Roosters, uh, Roosters South. South, Sharks storm. Um, I want to see Broncos versus Panthers, and I want to see Warriors... Dragons. I think the Sharks would roll Melbourne in Melbourne week one and break my heart. And I think the Roosters, Rabbitohs, with the way they're playing right now, would be the flip of a coin and just an awesome game as they always are. Break your heart. Must be tough playing finals footy every year. There you go. And who would that be? That'd be highest ranked against lowest ranked winner. So it'd probably be Warriors versus Mm, Melbourne. Highest ranked loser against lowest Lowest ranked winner. So probably Melbourne Warriors week two and Broncos versus either Roosters or Rabbitohs. do not want to be playing the Warriors. No, well, we have a good record in recent times, but in the past they've given us trouble in finals games. That's Doesn't for sure. mean fuck off come with finals. Bruce J. Hadley, is it defence? It's said that defence wins you grand finals. Who would be the leading team in your opinion who has the best defence in the eight? I'm leaning towards Melbourne as they have the ability to suffocate the ruck and slow down the play of the ball. Melbourne. Surely, it's the definitely pe- Melbourne. Surely the penalty blitz won't be in during the final Melbourne, series. however, their attack just isn't what it has been in years gone by. I so still I don't think, know whether that 
defence is going to be enough to win them the comp. I still think the Roosters' full strength are the best defensive side inside 20. I think they've been better than Melbourne this year. I know statistics won't back that up on a few results, but I think Mel are the Roosters the best defensive side in the comp. Pat Bozinski says, why are the top teams losing to low teams late in the year? Is it because the teams are fatigued? Are they preparing for the finals or are it just low teams? have figured the top teams out. No, low teams have got nothing to lose. Nothing to lose. Um, like we said before, those teams are kind of just and the getting the way through. the top teams have got their eye on the finals. Yeah. Mike Winkley, are you able to explain the HIA process? I've looked everywhere and Oof. can't seem to find how this works. Also, as a Warriors fan, after seven years, I'm finally smiling. Uh, I bet you are. HIA, well, basically, you have to go in for a minimum of 15 minutes. They do it's a, a head injury assessment. That's yeah. what stands for test on an iPad uh, basically there's a cognitive test if you pass all that and show that everything's that they've done previously so they, they all do it at the start of the year and they have a baseline score pretty much they've got to go in after they've had a head knock and score around that baseline score or they can't go back on yeah Terry Spear can a top four a non-top four side really win it well, yes definitely this year between the Broncos and the Warriors, but it take everything to go right. The Dragons, Panthers can't. Daniel Friend has brought up that point we just had before. Do you think the finals will be ref differently to the normal comp? I can't see anyone in the grand final being sinbin for four penalties in a row, as we've seen during this year. Oh, they will be. I think they will be. That, that's that's a good question and a good point to bring up during well, the final they? series. Like You have to be consistent with what you've done during yeah, the year. So. Yeah, Why wouldn't they? Yeah. Why wouldn't they, mate? The referees have got to be consistent. Wayne Morrissey, he's already touched on the training methods and sides being flat and building back up, like we've said. Yes, teams do do use that. Jeff Sims, relocation. Some have been offered to go to WA. Already done that one. Paul Kay, hey, guys. Great podcast. I listened from England with Callum Ponga announcing he wants to play no. for the All Blacks. Are there any union players you'd like to see in the NRL? Keep no. up the great work. Well, I don't really watch a lot of union. But Hooper, I think, I think said they've said Hooper. Mick Hooper is one of the only ones I kind of look at and think that he'd really, really suit that style of game. Mm. Um, he's very aggressive in what he does. He could be a good lock or maybe a bat roll, a bit of training with the, the line running. Easy flower to Kelly Nayavara. was already over here. There's a couple of guys that have already played some league, but mm. there's not a whole heap that I look at and desperately want to come play rugby league. Blake Bentley, who has the highest football IQ, watching Tommy T in the second half against the Tigers. The way he sees a game is very, yeah, he's one of the best individual Talents and game breakers in the game today. Well, football IQ, your halves are usually the ones, or your hooker, people like Cameron Smith, people that have vision, pick things out, see them before they happen, good kicking game. Like It's it's that top-tier kind of player like that that has the better football IQ. Fullbacks need to have it. Billy Slater has it, all these kind of guys. But mainly your spine players are the ones with the best IQ, that's for sure. NRL Fantasy Comp, which comp do you guys prefer more, NRL Fantasy or Supercoach? Mm. And do you ever think fantasy football can get big in Australia like it is in the States? It should, but there's websites. The websites here just aren't as good as the ones in the US. Um, Where we we moved to, we were doing Ultimate League on, well, we used to do Fox Sports League right back. Then that changed, that merged with the Daily Telegraph. We didn't like it, so we moved to Sydney Morning Herald Ultimate League um, and then moved away from that this year because they're scoring system is pretty ordinary. We did NRL Fantasy this year and the boys didn't like that either. So we're on the lookout next season. So anyone listening that's got any suggestions on what they think is the best type of fantasy, um, let us know. But we like to we like to draft sides of 40 and just have them for the we, whole yeah, year. We don't, we don't really have free agency in our comp. We have team we to trade team, internally. Team to team trade, yeah. yeah. We, we try and keep it as much like the American system as possible, but there's not many... Uh, websites to support that in Australia. Yeah, Ultimate League is one where we could we could have up to forty five on Ultimate League. That's the reason we did it. But the scoring system isn't very good. 
So when you find you find positives with some, and you, there's negatives with others. So. Yep. Ian Stanmore, have you ever heard anything more idiotic than Tony Squires from Fox Sports today saying that the Cowboys should be given a spot in the finals and he quotes oh, he's a goose. as a sense of occasion to prolong. What a goose. That's simple. You didn't win enough games. You don't yeah. deserve to be in the finals. That's We've already covered it. Dumb. Joel Banks, what father-son duo would you prefer in your team? Eric Groth, senior and junior? No. Or Wayne Pierce and Mitchell Pierce? Pierce and Mitchell. Steve and Matt Rogers or Steve Morris with one of his sons? No, I'd have the Rogers boys. Rogers boys, Steve yeah. and Matt Rogers. I'd probably take Wayne and Mitchell Pierce, but you can make an argument for a couple Steve of those Rogers. guys there. I wouldn't take a pair of wingers though. Sorry to the growth boys. I think uh, Eric Jr. was a little inconsistent. He was good on his day. Eric Senior was an absolute they're beast. Both, they're both wingers. But you're not taking two wingers, that's for sure. Soul Goodman. Granted, he gets the effort and plays. He's great defender for a half, but Penrith forwards are desperate for some form. Is clearly attack lacking. Well, what's he supposed to do when his forwards aren't going forward? Yeah, he's definitely not playing as well, but neither is a side. No, he's not the reason their attack's not going well. Let me give you the yeah. tip. There's you plenty know, going on. You've seen wrong. inconsistency at fullback. You've seen inconsistency at one. We've Taking the hooker out a couple um, of times now. Sorry, yeah. Inconsistencies at fullback, inconsistencies at nine, and the Mo- uh, Maloney issue as well. There's still not enough numbers around him. We spoke of that multiple times. And their forward pack is playing like poo. Yeah, very simple. Uh, Josh Reid, a while ago, you boys had seven teams that had a chance to win it. How has that changed with one week to go? I think well, there's six oh, yeah, teams that can win We're down to six now. If there was a final series team played between the current bottom eight sides, who would make the grand final? That's Zach Maitland. Well, I think the Raiders and the Cowboys would be right around the mark and probably the Bulldogs. Outside of that, I, I would... Knights. Knights would throw off With Ponga pitches. and everyone on board, maybe, and Watson. But I think right now, I'd have those, those three kind of around the mark, that's for sure. Andrew Wales, Sharks, grand final number two. Hope we face Melbourne week one. Would you guys take a job at Manly or the Titans? No. If I was desperate for a job, but that's no. the key word at this point in time. Johnny Ashkay, would DC and Nathan Cleary work at Penrith if he was to go there? No idea. I think Cherry Evans plays more like a six than he does a seven anyway, so I think it could work. Will that move happen? Will he give up five more years at $1.2 million to move to Penrith, and would Penrith want to sign him for that much? I think there's a lot of question marks around whether that would happen. David Boyle, what did you guys think of PK's spray on Triple M regarding Greenberg and Beattie? Well, I only heard it this afternoon. I thought he was spot on. Yeah, uh, They're fine players and coaches in the past for one swear word at a press conference in bits and pieces, like 35000 for Paul Gallant for saying the C-bomb. Uh, Ricky Stewart's copped $20,000 fines and been warned about swearing, but these two peanuts can go on a podcast, drop mm. C's and F's left, right and centre and just get a written warning from their club. Well, again, it's set a dangerous precedent. Yeah, no doubt about that. Chris Cicluna, if you're up by eight and get a penalty with one minute to go in the first half, playing against the best team of the comp, do you take the two? Points? Yes, I do. Yeah, you do take the two. Daniel Rennie, Broncos the real deal. He loves the podcast. Well, I think we've said earlier on... Yeah. Uh, Happy to eat my hat a little bit during the year that they've started to prove more and more with those six wins, particularly two against the Sharks, South and Roosters, that they can get the job done. So wait and see. Daniel Aulu, what's Para's ideal spine for 2019? Consider available free agents where relevant, i.e. hooker. Well, no need to consider them at the moment because we have no idea who they're after. Isaac Luke, someone they should look to identify, but I think they'd be probably looking at Reed Mahoney, who they've already got there and... Cameron King, I'm pretty sure, signed an extension last year and Pritchard's still contracted, so I don't think they're going to be going out and spending a lot on a hooker. If Norman and Moses are there, I think it's pretty obvious they're the halves, unless he doesn't want Norman there, which he said, so likely Semin and Moses, we're assuming. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Clint Gutherson at one, Bevan French, I think Bernie's bridge is there, so uh, I don't It'll see. be interesting, but I've got no idea. Until you they finalise their roster and they get through the preseason injuries and etc. 
uh, the Corey Norman thing plays out because who knows where that's going to land once the competition finishes. Yeah. Uh, is Brad Arthur going to be there? Yeah, well, right now I'd say he basically told Norman he could go. It'd be Salmon and Moses together. Mm. I think Ma- who knows? Marnie There's would... too many too many unknowns in it. Marnie and Gufson would be the other two. Dominic Coogan. Fords backing into tackles. One, are they being taught to do it? Two, is it creating a lot more crusher tackles? And three, will the NRL have to do something if it continues? Good luck. I think it, it is being taught or it is a technique to it's try and get bubble in, in the carpet. And... Like you put your foot on the bubble, it pops up somewhere else. Yeah. So There's always new techniques and new ways that clubs find to try and gain advantages to win the ruck or win your carriage, etc. Adam Thomas says, DC to the Broncos. Any chance that could happen and work? Who well, knows? Same deal again. You've got to look at the money in his current contract. Would he really leave? It'd work. Of course it'd work. But, yeah, but would he leave? And oh, leave I tend six? to think he wants to follow Barrett. That's what it seems sort of looks like. But I don't know. Is Barrett going to get another job? Like everyone keeps saying. Yeah, he'll be an assistant at best, I think. Well, there Jump you go. So where's he, where's he going as an assistant? Yeah, exactly. I don't know where he's going. Stefan Grimm, your thoughts on James Mulaney? Rumours that he's wearing thin at Penrith. Well, I think... He's not wearing thin, but there's, there's a fracture there in the... He, he doesn't like how Anthony Griffin was treated. And he's probably just agreeing with the majority of us. Yep. Who think it was pretty ordinary. And the fact that, you know, we don't know what was going on internally, but it seems just a silly decision to um, sack him when they did. And, I, you know, I think Penrith, the Penrith board is the one that's got to wear, bear the most of it because they went and tried to get Ivan Cleary. And yeah, Gus created. was sort of, hands was tied. He had to go on. He wanted to be up front with Griffin and say, listen, you're not going to be the coach next year. And, Griffin, I think, made the decision then to say, well, I'm moving on. Yep. Stick it. Brandon Savage, JT or Joey. Well, we've had this conversation before and some people have got upset about it. You're never going to get a clear winner out of anybody, but I'd take Joey Johns. Uh, I think Brock's on the same boat. And the last one we got here, the fat sportsman. Who can you see getting coach of the year? No clear standout for me. Well, I would have said Seabold originally given what he has in his team, but I'm still looking at Melbourne. We haven't had a halfback. We've lost a couple of our forwards. Did Bellamy win it last year? Yeah. And yeah. I think he should, we've said it before, he should have won more, but we give the award out just because we acknowledge that Craig Bellamy probably is the best coach without giving that award, but yeah, he's done think, an exceptional job. But I think Seabold... I think it should be given after the grand final anyway. Yeah. I think Seabold, like you, though, given if they finish top if four... If it's not Seabold, it's Bellamy. Yeah. And what I think the Roosters are probably underachieved to a degree based on their roster. Yep. Fair enough. Alrighty. There's all our fan questions wrapped up for another week. An absolute stack and no surprise right heading to the finals that all the fans are very, very keen. Maybe Steve Kearney could should win it. Steve Super Kearney Steve, Kearney. because they're the first time they've been in the finals for six years. But guess what? Now we move on to our gossip and our tips of the week's brought to you by the Pro Sports Syndicate Boxhead. And the best bet, unfortunately, not a winner on the weekend, but they're still eight from twelve. So still close to seventy percent there on that one. Those uh, line bets have been pretty, pretty good. And we got sent through an update from the package there. And like we said to you guys at the start, you want to focus on those line bets or some numbers on the year. If you would have followed those three line bets that we we're talking about. Just throughout the season, there's been 81 line bets, and the profit from those total was two thousand four hundred dollars. Based if on you what? Bet on how much their, of a bet? They're betting hundred dollars per unit. Yeah. So, what would you bring it down to if you were betting? If you're betting ten, you've won two hundred forty. Yeah. So about fifteen percent profit return, but lines, line bets, they've got a pretty good strike rate. Yeah, basically. I follow their lines. So that, that's and the I just thing. take out like if there's three there and I disagree with one, I just take one of them out. And like we said to everybody out there, we're working on something next year for them to try and get maybe a bit of a reduced package that has mainly lines or a few smaller bets and a more affordable setup because a lot of people out there obviously probably don't bet 
you know, $100 over and willing to pay that for the tips where you get 10 to 15 every single week in all the other markets, yeah. maybe something more focused on the lines. Because if you were contributing that much and you're betting $20 well, or something on each and line. You know what? Comment on the comment on the uh, on the posts that go up and tell us what you would buy. Yeah, tell us what you want. Like, you can't complain about the products that have been offered unless you're suggesting making yeah. suggestions about what you would buy. Well, what we'll, you we'll are talk to the boys in. and we'll put so, something up for people to give feedback. And the what boys are very be? open. They they want to they want to do the right thing by um, you guys as listeners. Yep. And they want to offer the best product possible. So and keep your eyes open on the NFL side of things. We're obviously uh, yeah, we've got a fantasy comp there. So jump in. The boys are going to um, the boys have sponsored that. They're going to give away a full year's package for next season's NRL to whoever wins that fantasy league, the ESPN um, NFL fantasy, and the two runners up in that competition will get um, free a free month. Yep. So, and they're going to they're going to put some links through for those that are joining that competition f- to um, have some deposit matches or first bet bonuses, etc. So, yeah. If you haven't already jumped in, I'm not sure whether that league's full, but it must be close. Yeah. We'll get some more details um, on that. But it's a 20 man league, so. Yeah. It's a big one. Good week for the boys again. Profit for the season, pretty good. But yeah, just wanted to give a look at those lines like man Brock said at the start of the year. If you focus mainly on line bets, the three you get every single week, uh, the profit return there for them is at almost 20%. Yeah. So, and we're also thinking about starting an NFL podcast. So if you would, if that's something you'd be interested in, let us know. So what would we call that? Well, the fifth and last year would be, be fourth, fourth and one. And fourth and short. Fourth and short? I reckon fourth and one. Uh, fifth and last, fourth and short. Fourth and inches, something. Yeah, fourth and inches. They were all, all around the same theme. Yeah. Kind of the way we word yeah, everything. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, a lot more content to cover with that many teams, I guess. But we'd, we'd have to figure something out, something to look into. But mm. pro sports here. Well, there's got to be a market for it. So let us know. If, yeah. you, if you're interested in the NFL, as crazy as what we are about the NFL. We watch a lot. Let of us know. We sure. um, When I was in Hawaii and we did the Super Bowl preview... Um, in our, I think it was our Awkward Nines podcast started last year, mm. we got a shitload of people write in about how much they loved us talking about the Super Bowl for half hour t- on that podcast. So I think there is a bit of an appetite out there, but you got to let us know. Yeah. But yeah, Pro Sports Syndicate, big thanks to them again, especially for taking on the charity bet situation this year. We're up to $900. We lost on the weekend, unfortunately. The Rabbitohs let us down and the Roosters, so it wouldn't have mattered either way. I should have stuck with my original thought, which was the Sharks 13 plus, which for a bit there didn't look too positive, but. Yeah, they come good. They very much came good. So I regret not betting on that, but hopefully we can get a winner this week and take us over the $1,000 mark. But thank you, the Pro Sports Syndicate. Mr. Gossett, he's got here for us. The rumours will not go away that DCE and Barrett would both possibly follow one another to Penrith, and Maloney is being shot to Manly and Newcastle. Wow. So interesting times ahead. Imagine that. Newcastle will have the Pierce and Maloney reunion. Well, what I'm seeing in my head here, and this is what I'm trying to figure out, Penrith had to drop... Leilani Latu because they got caught out for the third party that James Maloney spoke about, which he wasn't supposed to speak about, to fit him in at 8.50. So for Cherry Evans to fit in, would he have to take a reduced version of what he's on or would they be able to find enough third parties to get him in on 8.50? Would someone else have to go? Someone have to go. Uh, Barrett, would you want him coaching? And would him and Serraldo and all these younger blokes work together? Here's one for you. Why wouldn't If DC is going to come, why wouldn't they just say to Nathan Cleary, go to the Tigers now? Well, clearly they want Nathan Cleary to stay. So I'm they, just saying they that if they thought that they could get DCE, I think they want them as a pair. So you're saying that the they want to have they want to move the Maloney contract and they want and Maloney have, yeah. out by the sounds of things. Which, given everything we've heard, would make sense given he was a Griffin. Well, who's fan the common denominator? Like all these players keep keep getting moved on from Penrith. Is it the players or is it the club? Seems like the club at the moment being the common denominator, but. Interesting to see what works out there. I don't think we're going to hear much to the back end of the season. Maloney to Newcastle. 
is interesting considering, again, Ponga wanted to play six. If he went to fullback and you had Pierce Maloney, I get that, but that's a lot of money invested. So interesting to see what happens there. Panthers, Trent Merrin also linked with Newcastle. And I'm pretty sure, I said it a couple of weeks ago to you, that with that money that they've got there and a lot of the young guys, if they wanted to free it up, if there's two guys you could probably move on and get most of the contracts paid, it'd be Tarmow and Trent Merrin. But Merrin to Newcastle, do you think that'd be a good move for the Knights if they could get him for part of the contract? Yeah, it would be. Yep. Um, yeah, just the contract's... Contract situation in the NRL just frustrates the shit out of me. There should be some sort of free agency, some sort of trade period. Um, the fact that you can just go and shop someone around when they they might not even want to go to that club, and the power that the player managers have in all of this is ridiculous as well. They could be shopping you. They could be if you're a player A and you have a podcast. Uh, sorry, a, a player manager. He could be shopping you without you even knowing it. Well, that's a big thing they brought up the other day about this new system, but we, we didn't really talk about it. But they want to bring in a new system for clarity on offers from clubs and have it all streamlined through the Players yeah, Association. I heard PK talk about so, it on 360 last week. Because players obviously only get to, oh, yeah, no, they only offered here. And we know for a fact, and I've brought up before, some managers are purposely feeding into certain clubs because they, they can package players together and go, well, you want to keep, I don't know, say, for example, the Dragons, Tyson Brazil. Well, I've got player B in New South Wales Cup, and I won't let you keep Tyson Brazil. I'll send him here unless you give old mate 150 well, listen, grand I, or put him in your top squad. Going like. back to Mats and Ball at Penrith, when I was doing, um, you know, picking squads there, you'd have players highlighted on your trial sheets that were favours for managers because, we, you know, we re-signed him, but as a favour, we had to give him a trial. Like, the player managers pull so many strings, they've got too much power. Yeah. Because that's, taken, that's taking... For me, my argument as a coach was that's taking an opportunity away from a kid who deserves a spot to trial, not just because you know he's got a, this player manager and he's doing him a favour. So, yeah, I, I don't like it at all. I don't like the amount of uh, power that they've got. Yeah, and keeping on the Penrith theme, Mr. Gossip, he's got plenty there tonight. Tyron Peachy telling his manager he wants to stay in Sydney. We've heard that rumours about it. Could remain with the Panthers, but the Tigers are also very keen. So no surprise there that have some cap space and he's played under Ivan Cleary before. The word is in that situation. Well, I know for a fact that he wants to go to the Tigers. I know that as Instead a fact. of the Titans. As a fact. Well, he go. wants to stay in Sydney and he wants to go to the Tigers. Well, they've said part of this is to do with the fact, first of all, he didn't like Anthony Griffin and now he's gone, but then the thought was there's some family or personal issues and he wants to remain in Sydney. There's so. no family or personal issues. He the just... family or personal issue is that he doesn't want to move to the Gold Coast. Well, and it... I'm a Gold Coast fan. I get it. but Massive contract me, and he signed it. That yeah, but that, yeah. cooling off period. Like you don't want to play well, that doesn't want to be there. But sign, that's sign getting in the year. He signed. They're talking the money because he's obviously been on unders for a long time. It's close to six hundred fifty thousand dollars, which he's never had a big deal. But I get it. Like yeah. I get that he wants to stay, but also from a, as a Titans fan, I'm going. Well, who don't the fuck sign. are we going to be able to buy now? Yeah, like it's done. But then again, do you want a player there that doesn't want to be there? Like seeing the history that we have with players who don't want to be there. Yeah, it's just, this is what I mean by trade. Like, okay, if, if that's the case, then you'd be able to trade him or you'd be able to, you know, at least the Gold Coast get something in return for Peachy. Like, if, 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 if it's for the Tigers, for example, that want to trade to get him, then at least they can package something up. Someone at the Tigers, a young player, might go, yeah, I'll go to the Gold Coast for an opportunity. They might be able to package two or three up. And then at least the Gold Coast get something in return. Because at the moment, all the Gold Coast get is fuck all mm. out of that. They'll get nothing. Not they won't be able to get a player to replace him. And they lose an origin caliber player in Peachy. The system's fucking broken. It's it's really, really broken. And it just frustrates the shit out of me as a fan who supports a team who are never in the eight. Yeah. 
Well, you, you want to be able to... sign an Origin player and then they don't want to come. Yeah, well, and then you had to pay Jared Wallace and you paid to get Boyer up there and they probably paid a little bit overs there. Like, you don't want to be having to pay overs all and the time. do they want to be there? Well, the, ru- the yeah, rumors exactly. are that he doesn't even want to be there either, so... No, not really. Like, that's the kind of mail I've kind of got out of that situation, mm. but... Yeah, you but, look at Bryce Cartwright, you look at Jared Hayne, you look at Dave Taylor, you look at, you know, you've got a long history, DCE backflip, like Steve Turner did it. I think Brian Carney did it to the Ooh, Titans. So. Nate Miles milked contract for a couple of years. Yeah, Greg like, Bird didn't really play well unless he was in go, origin. There's a lot of guys that went there for a free ride, let's put it that way. Yeah. Last one he's got here is Neil Henry, linked with the manly role, either as a coach but also now as a football director. I think as a football director, it'd be a good job for him. So, yeah, not completely out of the picture there at Manly, even if he doesn't go there as a coach. So plenty going on at Manly. Well, I know there's, there's more than the first grade coach that's going to be moving out of Manly. I know that for a fact as well. Yeah. I think... Uh, from our point of view, like I said tonight, we didn't really talk about. I'm sick of talking about mainly the coaching carousel, the back and forth. He brought. Yeah, but what I'm what I'm cheers. saying is, there's going to be a lot of lot of coaches following Barrett out of there as well. Oh, I get that, but I'm just saying in general, I don't really want to talk about it because everyone's flogged the shit out of it to death. And and it'll be interesting to see what effect this has on the junior reps because we know ourselves the the way it's changed. Like Manly won the Harold Matthews this year, pretty much from buying a side from Western Sydney. Well, they bought um, bussing them all over there. They bought another extra so, ball boy the other day. Will that change? You know, now that Barrett leaves, and you know, will the focus go back to the first grade side, not so much the junior development? It'll be interesting. Yeah, there you go. That's Mister Gossip's mail brought to you by the Pro Sports Syndicate. Now onto our tips. And last week we only had one different, and it went the way of Mister Gossip. So things have got awfully tight now. I still lead on one hundred two, but Gossip now one behind on one hundred one, and you are on a hundred. But this is, I think, it's tight as it's ever been at this what point. What is it? One hundred. 102 for me, 101 for Gossip, you're on 100. We're all one apart. So it's nice and deadlocked there. But this week, the first game we've got is South versus the Tigers on the Tigers' side of things. Robert Jennings is finally back. He returns on the wing. Heimel Hunt out of the side. Uh, so basically, they're back to close to 1-17 to to start the year. The West Tigers, Russell Packer is out. Matt Eisenhuth moves to prop. Elijah Taylor returns. This is too big a week. Uh, for South not to show some form, so I'm going to go with South. South. And Mr. Gossip, he's with us there, I think, for obvious reasons. Everyone tipping South, and the odds there, thanks to the Pro Sports Syndicate, $1.36 for South, $3.10 for the Tigers, minus 8.5 is the line there. Second game of the round, first one on Friday, is the Warriors versus the Raiders. The Warriors over there at home, last chance to keep this little bit of run going and pull some form before the finals. Jared Beale is replacing... Leave a ha-ha Pulu on the bench. And 5'8", Blake Green is still at least a week away. So they've got a capable player there still. And Mason Lino for the Raiders. They're unchanged. Aiden Caesar, though, is in the reserves this week. I think the Raiders are perfectly capable of an upset. But the Warriors in New Zealand, I think they'll want a big win before they head to the final. So uh, I'll tip the, Ra- uh, the Warriors. I'm tipping the Raiders. Going to back them in. Get the job done three weeks in a row. Why not? Misty Gossett, he is on... The Warriors as well, and they are a dollar fifty-seven favorite with the Pro Sport Syndicate. Two forty for the Raiders, minus four and a half is the line there. So you like the Raiders boxhead? Maybe the start not too bad there for you. If you what is it? Eight four and, and a half. half. Four and a half. No. Storm versus Panthers Friday night, eight o'clock game here. Billy Slater's farewell at home, and Tidden Glasby he starts at prop. Christian Welch goes back to the bench, and Ryan Hoffman, after being said that he was out for the whole season, has been named in the reserve. So. Must have been doing some serious rehab, that's for sure, to be able to get himself even in form to be able to be picked. For the Panthers... The 17? Team, no, he's in the 21. Mm. But the fact is he even named in the 21. He was supposed to be done until maybe the GF, if they made that. Yeah. Panthers... Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's Bellamy's way of motivating him a little bit. Well, who knows? The Panthers, Dean Farrow, broken arm. He is gone skis, but that's offset 
with Maloney returning at 5'8", allowing Peachy to go back to the centres. But plain and simple, I think Maloney is a massive help. But Melbourne, in Melbourne, regardless of who's playing on a milestone game, they've failed twice this year in milestone games. I think this time around, they will send Billy off in the right fashion. Well, I'm going to tip Melbourne, but this is you're going to get Penrith's best punch here. This is their season, I think. They lose here, and they're going in on the back of three losses um, in an elimination game. I can't see them coming back, but they get a win against Melbourne in Melbourne. Massive. It's the only way to sort of turn their season around, I think. So it would give it chips are in. Yeah. And Melbourne with the Pro Sports Syndicate, they're a dollar fifty favourites, two sixty for the Panthers, minus five and a half is the line. Mr. Gossett, he agrees. He's tipping the Melbourne Storm as well. Newcastle Knights, Dragons, Old Boys Day at home up there for the Knights side of things. Jack Cogger replaces Connor Watson. He's injured again. Callum Ponga, his season's officially over. He is out. Lachlan Fitzgibbon, also done for the year. He is out. Jamie Bureau takes his starting spot, and Luke Yates drops off the bench with Jacob Lilliman and debutant Tom Starling. So Tommy Starling gets a run now on the bench. I like the kid. Coming in for Yates, who played a bit of bench nine on the weekend. For the Dragons, Zach Lomax replaces Ewan Aiken in the centres. He's a good footballer. Zach Lomax, keep your eyes on him. Nightingale out. Fullback Dufty is back into the run-on side. Jay Field gets a call-up on the bench. Cam McInnes has been named despite his concussion. Blake Laurie replaces Host on the bench. And as in previous weeks, Leilu is on the bench with Arm out starting, but they usually get switched on game day. I don't know. I wanted to tip Newcastle. I'm going to tip Newcastle. Old boys day. The Dragons are going like fucking bustards. I can't tip them until they show me something. Ponga, Fitzgibbon. And yeah, I'm, ba- I'm just going to back Newcastle on effort. I think they try harder. Yeah. I'm happy to go down. I'm there with you. I'm just going through the rest of the lineup, trying Dragons, to please. picture things. But yeah, show me something. At home, old boys day. I'm with you. It's it's pretty hard to back the Dragons after what we saw last week. And Mr. Gossip, he agrees. And I bet you he's riding them home for Papa Gossip. He's a Knights man. And they are the outsiders with the Pro Sports Syndicate. $2 the Knights, $1.80 for the Dragons. The line there, minus one and a half. Titans-Cowboys, JT's final actual game in the NRL. Appropriate that it's still in Queensland. And your mob, they never bloody sell fucking 500 seats in that stadium. They've got to sell it this week. It's about time they rocked up. JT's last yeah, game. as they should. It's not, not Titans fans. No, I'm not disagreeing with you there. Please. The Titans are unchanged from last week's Why would you go and watch them? Well, you're going to watch JT. Why would you, no, just, why would you go and watch the Titans play? Like you say, week to week, they don't get a crowd. And especially now that... You know, you had Cherry Evans backflip. You have Peachy. Like, you can't get people there. Why would people go and watch it? I disagree with you. Cowboys. Tamari Martin, he returns at 5'8 in place of Jake Clifford. Sean Fenson replaces Francis Mullet on the bench. I think this one's pretty Cowboys. straightforward. His absolute last game. I don't know if it'll be as good an effort as last week. I think they spent plenty of energy, but I think they'll have more than enough to get the job done here. Misty Gossip, he agrees. They are a dollar... 50 favourites, the Cowboys with the Pro Sports Syndicate. 260 for the Titans. Minus five and a half is the line. Roosters and Eels. I don't care how the Roosters played last week. The Eels are on Mad Monday as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Jamin Semmett has now dropped back to the bench. Norman's back to 5'8". Haynes at fullback. French is recalled on the wing. Reed Marnie starts at hooker with King out. Takarangi to the starting second row. Tepo Moreau to lock. Penny Terrapo's out. Menor at prop and Evans out. For the Roosters, Napa out. JWH in. Roosters. Roosters. Plenty of changes for Para, but for the last game, whether they give an effort or not, I don't have enough confidence that they will beat the Roosters, who will definitely want to get a win heading into the finals. And Mr. Gossip agrees. They are a dollar twenty-two favourites with the Pro Sports Syndicate. The Roosters, the Eels, four thirty-three minus twelve and a half is the line there. 
Uh, and where else have we got here? We've got the Dogs versus the Sharks. A danger game if the Sharks play all their food like they have in previous weeks. Matt Moylan, he returns at 5'8 for Kyle Fleming. And for the Dogs, back rower, Reese Martin, is named, despite the fact he didn't finish the game last week. So yeah. both unchanged lineups. Again, I'll back the Sharks purely because they're heading into the finals here, but danger game. Well, yeah, Sharks. Big danger game here. This is not the kind of game you want to lose heading into the finals. Pro Sports Syndicate, Sharks, fifty favourites, 260 for the Dogs. Minus 5.5 is the line in the last game of the round. Broncos versus Manly up at Suncorp. Manly beat them during the season. They did, yeah. Jake Turpin, he starts at hooker. And it was at Suncorp. Sure was. Jake Turpin, he starts at hooker. Andrew McCulloch is out, so they're going to rest him that week with a concussion. Understandably so, playing at the safe way for the Sea Eagles. Matt Wright replaces George Defoe on the wing. Taniela Paseca gets a call up on the bench. Martin Tapau returns to the starting side. Sean Lane in the back row. Goslowski goes back to the bench. Well, even with Turpin in there, same deal. I think they'll want to carry some form into the final, so I'll stick with the Broncos. Broncos. There you go. Clean sweep, Mr. Gossip. Also on the Broncos, a dollar thirty favorite with the Pro Sports Syndicate. Three fifty for Manly and the line on that one at the moment. Is suspended, but there you go. We've done our set of six, plenty of talk, a million fan questions. We realise that everyone's got plenty of information they want digested heading into the finals, reviews of the games on the weekend, power rankings, and all this thanks to Penrith Solar Centre. Summer is around the corner, www.penrithsolar.com.au. Get onto the boys there. Jake, mention the podcast. Get onto solar. Help your back pocket. Help your bills. It's a worthwhile cause. www.nepbolt.com.au. Nepean bolt master, wasn't the boys there? Let them help you out. I'm a tradesman myself. Your tools, your bolts, all your bits and pieces. Talk to wasn't the boys. There's no one better. And most of all, the pro sports syndicate. Those lines, as we mentioned, massive results for the season. 50 out of 81. Uh, they've got a good profit return margin there of their outlay per unit, close to 20% profit on the on their line bets alone. Their best bets, eight from 12, a loss on the weekend, but I'm sure they'll bounce back. They've got a 66% strike right there, so pretty good by the boys. Keep your eyes open. We'll put a post up for them. Get some feedback on what you'd like in a package if you're going to say $20 a week or $30 a week, a couple of lines and a, a player prop or a try-win combo or something like that. We'll try and get something sorted for next season with the boys to make it more accessible for everybody out there if you want some lines on the football. But we have to thank them for coming on board and especially taking on their charity account when they didn't have to, which is at $900 for the Bears of Hope. Massive shout-out again to Alistair Locke and his rugby teammates. They've raised close to $5,000 for the Bears of Hope Foundation as well. Good work to him and his mates there. Uh, get behind the Bears of Hope. It's a, it's a very, very good cause for infancy loss. But also, uh, everybody out there, thank you for another massive season. One more round of regular season football to go before we head into the finals and we get into crunch time at the back end of the season. For now, everybody, enjoy your week and enjoy your rugby league. Bring it on, give us more, give us more. Where are you going? Where, what, 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 what's going on here? Is that it? Is that it? Hold up. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.